Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. We're just two old goats, but we're here to keep eating trash in your yard. I don't even know what that means, really. But here we are on this Monday, the 8th of November, 2021. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you live right now in the capital of Los Estados Unidos here in Washington, D.C. I am joined by my hetero life mate, partner in crime, fellow washed dad, fellow Washington, D.C. traveler, although his situation was much worse than mine. It is my friend and yours, fresh off the morning bird when he had no bags, no toiletries, no nothing. It's Brian Campbell. Brian, how did it feel to brush your teeth this morning at 11 a.m.? Because I know you didn't do it at 6 <laughs> Oh, my God. You don't want to know. You don't want to know about my Uber Eats uh, experience at 12, 15 last night when the only place within distance was McDonald's. I mean, what a time to get back from a 10, now make it 11-day Las Vegas road trip. Happy to be back in CT, where I am the crown, the clown prince, excuse me, of Connecticut after yielding my title. But, Luke, what a freaking week we had for the brand, for our friendship, for fight fans. We're back, baby. I may have slept last night in Arlington, Virginia due to some extreme travel issues. You and I may have been on the same flight with a screaming baby, both of us in middle seats. Thank you, Showtime. While Dan Rayfield, Jesse Vargas, and Jared Swift heard enjoyed much more comfortable conditions. But uh, we're back with a bang. You don't want to know what I smell like, but I made it. I showed up. When the red light's on, BC's here, and he does turn back into that goat that you mentioned. Only I'm talking about the greatest of all time. All right, well, let's not get carried away, but poor BC and I, we had a... BC, because he lives in the middle of nowhere, doesn't get directs anywhere, so he has to connect to either Chicago or Philly or sometimes DC, so we both Charlotte. had the same flight. I'm a big Charlotte connection Charlotte's guy, okay? no, Charlotte's another one. So we, we both took the flight from Vegas to DC yesterday, and it was not an awesome flight. We both had middle seats. It was five hours. Then we got stuck in the car, a tarmac for another, what seemed like a few more hours after that. It was... It was truly awful. And then BC couldn't get his luggage because he missed it. Hold on, hold on. BC couldn't get his connection because, hello, our flight was late. So he couldn't get his bags. So he had to go to some random hotel near National Airport last night and then come right back five hours later. I did not envy you, good sir. Although, for the record, BC, I offered you a place to stay. I do want to put that. 
I'll go home I do want to put that out there. I offered to do MK right here together in my office. I want to put that out there. Him. You said BC. You stayed with me at baggage claim to see if my bags came when it was literally you, me, Swift, her, Jesse Vargas, and some weird guy. And uh, you offered. Uh, I countered, trying to be maybe the 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 Lithuanian meat in an all Colombian sandwich. You turned me down. I, in the end, chose hotel over your spare room. But I appreciate the gesture, Luke. All right. Well, as long as you got home and you're okay. They had your bags when you landed at Hartford, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They were the first ones out. Um, Luke, <laughs> did you at least entertain my offer to, uh, you know, blend marriages? I, I don't recall you ever saying that. Mostly I recall you mouth breathing and then sort of looking <laughs> forlorn at the airport, wondering where you're... Neon I asked you with my eyes. I asked you with my eyes. purple bags were. All right. Like, hey, I just. The only bags I see are the ones under your eyes. Yeah, yeah, you're damn right about that. I got I got two other saggy bags, too. Look, uh, here's what I'm trying to say right now is uh, I hope everybody enjoyed our entertainment that we've given them, our analysis, our laughs, all that shit. I know, and I do respect, Luke, I respect the core audience of MK, and that are people that don't understand comedy that don't understand good times, they want pure, hardcore, government-issued, MMA, Luke Thomas-inspired analysis, and they did not get that in the instant reaction on Saturday night because you and me were all calabashing in it like marionettes, like like delirious uncles. So I have just recently rewatched the UFC 2-something main card, and I'm ready to talk some real MMA like men do. Yeah. I have to say, the fight companion thing that we did, which folks were folks like, why'd you guys do that? We literally, it was that or do nothing. So, like, I mean, I don't know what you want us to do. But what I would say is about that, it's a fun thing to do, and I would definitely do it again. Folks did ask us to, like, consider that. I'll say this, BC, it's a terrible way to watch fights. <laughs> I, we missed half the shit just cracking jokes. Like, it's not a good way, if you really want to understand what's happening, don't do that shit. But, okay. First things yeah, first. Let's my, get this my, scoring, my scoring is a lot different, it turns out, when I'm actually paying yeah. attention. Yeah, who knew? Same, yeah. same. All right, here we go. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. We appreciate you guys watching here today. If you're listening on the audio podcast side of things, uh, give us a nice review, particularly on the Apple podcast side, if you guys wouldn't mind. Help us scam any algorithm, whether it's Spotify or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. But the, five, the one on Apple Podcasts, the one our, our bosses care about the most five-star reviews okay we do have merch in the store i'm wearing some right now you can go to morningcombat.store if you're looking to get some merch whether it's the dia de los muertos whether it's the drug rug when it comes back or whatever it may be factory town mma stuff still plentiful you see some of the best sellers right there the the t with me on it the orchids of combat's a bestseller we already know the drug rugs are out because they sold out and then the mk classic comfy fit tea so there you go that's what people are liking right now go cop yours they're great uh, morningcombat at gmail.com is going to be hey, your email for Wednesday. Speaking of our merch, did you see that picture of that single Latina woman who took a picture of herself watching the fights in our Orchids of Combat shirt, Luke? I couldn't believe how normal, nay, more than normal she looked. I couldn't, I, I would imagine anyone who watched the show would be a January 6th mutant. We had some I mean, of those like, fight yesterday, too. I'm like, does she have a police record? What are we doing? I mean, what, what, are, we, what are we building Dude, there, here? Luke? There were guys with masks below their nose check we the people tattoos here check fat and out of shape check unkept facial hair check wearing camouflage for no good reason check january 6 mk fans on our flight just want to point that out just want to point that out all right uh mk rc morning combat at gmail.com for dead wrongs and for fan subs showtime.com 
Showtime.com, guys. We're going to talk Bellator in today's show, too. If you missed yeah. Bellator, I don't know what you're doing, but you can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. BC, any final thoughts before we kick off uh, the round one, of one, Sean, Sean Grandy, who filled in for more Ronaldo, called the shit out of that Bellator Ireland card, so shout out to him right there. And also, um, yeah, that's about it, Luke. I just want to thank our great fans. I really, I really mean it. We pumped it. More than once this week for you guys. We put a lot of shit out there. You guys consumed it. You watched it. You critiqued it. Okay? You lived in it. Thank you. This is the, the, um, this is why you lift them weights in the offseason for the weeks that we just had. Okay? Where it all comes together. All right? And Luke, you know what? We met that challenge. Yeah. I also got to say thanks to our crew in Vegas, the Malka crew, Corey. I mean, technically Jay. Uh, I also give her credit. She was on point. Ashley was there. She did a great job. Everyone really did a great job. Even the cameramen who were vaping while they were filming us and then <laughs> doing God knows what else on uh, with their yeah. drug rugs. But. <laughs> I don't want to say any more to get anybody in trouble, but those vaping camera guys were the best. Yes. yes they, you always knew who to talk to about where the party was afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, fresh off the, um, this just came in my email like three minutes ago. Amanda Serrano is going to face off against Miriam Gutierrez in the co-main event for Paul versus Fury on Showtime Pay-Per-View Saturday, December 18th. So there you go. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay, BC, let's get this party started, shall we? You ready to go? Yeah, let's do this shit. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Topic number one. Let's get to the rundown. Uh, okay, here we go. If you're an MMA fan, we're going to put Canelo number one. And then it's nothing but MMA after that. I know everyone is very uptight about this. Just let us get through it, and you'll be okay. But okay, we're starting with Canelo for a couple of reasons. Oh, he works, or this was on Showtime. That's one. But really, the other reason is this, BC. That was the most significant combat sports achievement of the weekend, right? Unifying at 168, becoming the first Mexican to unify a weight class, becoming just one of, what I think, six or seven folks in the history of boxing in the four-belt era around 2004 or so to ever unify a weight class. He gets a stoppage over Caleb Plant in the 11th round. We had a whole thing about it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grade his performance. What kind of grade and why would you give Canelo Alvarez for that on Saturday night? It's a good question. Um, how, about a, how, about a, how about an A-, minus, Luke? And, what, and why I do that is this. Canelo did everything he had to do to figure out a skilled and difficult opponent and follow through with a finish. 11th round stoppage, two knockdowns, fight waved off. But the reason why Caleb Plant was able to linger and on some people's cards win more rounds than others is he, he the elite skills that he brought to the table, he, he hunkered down on those. He flexed those. He was hard to hit. He was hard to hit clean more than once. He was elusive. He was tough as nails. That did not allow Canelo Alvarez a full showcase of his skill set like we've seen in some of these other fights when he made earlier and quicker adjustments and then the fight was over. Canelo Alvarez in this one, I thought he made the adjustment in the first round that was going to spell the end of the fight. But to Caleb Plant's credit, he kept moving, kept covering up, kept figuring out how to do just enough offensively to stay in there. It wasn't an A-plus performance by any means from Caleb Plant, but it was something different for Canelo Alvarez to have to deal with. And, you know, A-minus in flying colors, he dealt with it. It, it, it's, it's, you're not going to have a perfect night, even though he's number one best in the world, you know, with a bullet. And he found a way to, to, to finish that fight off. He was ahead on the scorecards. And when Canelo finds the opening, 
He gets you. He finishes it. And the 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 whole point of of when you look at the betting odds coming into this fight, it, it was easy to say, "Oh, Caleb Plant's just a name. He's just a title holder. He's just whatever." And we were making the case, "No, Styles make fights, and this is an interesting style for Canelo to have to deal with." Turned out, it was a pretty interesting style for him to have to deal with. It took time. It took adjustments, but he dealt with it. Because that's what the best in the world does. That's what Floyd Mayweather would do when he was on top. This is yet again another thrilling performance from a fighter in Canelo Alvarez who has evolved to a level where there are no holes in his game. He's as poised and calm and ready to take on all comers. This was his fourth fight in 12 months. The three previous fights he fought in a five-month period. What we're watching right now at age 31 is, is... is greatness. And this one was a little bit more difficult. He didn't get to showcase everything, like I said, but he got the job done. Let's give him an A minus here, Luke. I agree with your score completely. A minus, I think, is exactly right. Hard to give an A plus because there were some challenging rounds for him. I thought Caleb Plant, you know, obviously outright won three, maybe four rounds. And even some of the rounds that Canelo Alvarez won that were a little bit close. Like there was this was a close fight in a lot of different respects. And I think um for that reason, you have to give Caleb Plant credit. He put out a statement yesterday on social media saying he, he proved that he belongs at this level. I think he's right. He proved that he is a championship-level fighter. I think he's right. I think he absolutely showed up. In fact, what it's so interesting about this fight, BC, is that everyone was kind of right. Right? The, the folks who said that Caleb Plant was just the kind of guy to give Canelo some trouble, they were right. There, He definitely gave Canelo some trouble along the way. Not enough to win, obviously, but he was a tough nut to crack. On the other hand... The folks who treat Canelo like Thanos and that he is inevitable, they were right as well. He obviously, uh, as for Caleb Nutt being a tough nut to crack, he obviously did eventually get cracked in the 11th. By the way, Sergey Kovalev going down in the 11th. Here you have Canelo Alvarez at 168 and 175 in the 11th round scoring stoppage wins. You know, not only does his power carry late, his power carries late up in weight. I mean, his power is extraordinary that he can do that to these kinds of guys who are just routinely and in every way bigger than him it's pretty impressive but I think the thing you highlighted was the one big takeaway for me that I think really needs to get out there it's not that Canelo can deal with every style equally like he's equally as good at disarming come forward brawlers as he is slick stick and move type boxers like Caleb Plant but here's the common denominator none of those guys can beat him Right? Yes, it might take him a little bit longer to defuse a Caleb Plant situation than one against, you know, pick somebody who's going to come in his face and brawl with him, but uh, he still gets it done just the same. He can handle virtually, it seems like, any style with any boxer, and I won't say in any weight class, but any nearby weight class to the point where now what we're talking about is for future fights, ones where the opponents are big names but overmatched or old retreads because why not? You just can't point to someone from 175 to 154, except in BC's case, the retired Andre Ward, where you're like, oh, that guy definitely has, you know, uh, I mean, I guess you could do a bit Baterbia, but you would just, you know, naturally say, oh, that Canelo has no shot against him. Canelo has no shot against some of these guys. He has a shot against anyone within 20 pounds of almost either direction at this point. He is a phenomenal talent, clearly far and away your number one pound for pound boxer and I have to tell you I found what he did in terms of slowly systemically taking away Caleb Plant and investing in the body work and doing all the things he did to win that fight with Caleb Plant being very very crafty the entire time extremely impressive extremely impressive yeah and for everyone Um, that that grilled me 
for giving all six of the first rounds to Canelo. And, and I, I did give uh, Caleb Plant seven, eight, and nine. And I thought he made a nice comeback. Two of the three judges had it five to one Canelo at the break. And I think we saw three very competent, uh, good reputational judges here. And they and they had a, you know, a, a close but clear win, as did I, 97-93 on my scorecard, heading into that 11th round for Canelo. Obviously, the two knockdowns, the knockout made it made it not happening. But, but if you're... If you're not a regular boxing fan or, or you, you've seen Canelo a few times and you're like, why this much overall praise for just this one fight? Caleb Plant's good, but, you know, very good, but is but is this a super great performance and all that? It's more just, hey, we got to wake up and realize something. Like, if you didn't watch the resume review, if you weren't following Canelo's journey from when he first arrived on the scene as a main eventer, he wasn't this guy. There wasn't the same sort of... You know, when Canelo was first uh, fighting Shane Mosley on Floyd's pay-per-view co-main events, you know, like those type of fights, there was promise that we have a potential ticket seller here, a young, hungry, good fighter. There was no promise at that point, I'm sorry, that we were going to see not only Canelo uh, ascend to the top of the pound-for-pound rankings and be able to just go after any style and bring all these belts together, but that he would, you know, have this much of of an argument to really climbing into the all-time great category here. This is a completely evolved fighter. And Luke, I mean, you've watched some of those early fights. He's learned and grown on the job. He, there, there was not an indication during that initial run, even when he's headlining pay-per-views, that he could get to this point where he can move up and wait this rapidly and carry the speed, power, accuracy, and basically you know, have the world as his oyster. He can fight these fights on any terms he wants. There wasn't an indication he would become that. This is why he gets so much praise, whether it's a mandatory fight against a no-hoper in Yildirim or it's against an unbeaten Saunders, an unbeaten plant. This is why he gets so much praise because he's kind of he's on a run of perfection right now. I know there's been close decisions. I know he hasn't always made the perfect decisions. But, but when he ascended, when he got in that king's chair and it became the Canelo era, he's on a run right now that you you rarely you rarely ever see in this sport. This is something special that we're watching. Even if you go back to the resume review, BC, and you look at some of the fights that we picked out when he was previously on Showtime, don't take me and BC's word for it. Go listen to, at the time, Paulie Malignaggi, one of the commentators, Al Bernstein, obviously still working for Showtime, and anyone else who was calling those fights. They were calling at the time, quite correctly at the time, Canelo was something of a counterpuncher, they would call him. And they would, they would not mock his defense, but they noted his defense was not very good in certain fights. And again, he was still very young in his career. These are things that, of course, he wasn't perfect. He needed to, to, to work on. We're just pointing out to BC's point, at this time in his career, the idea he would ascend to what we have now was in no way obvious. We knew he would be a big Mexican star. That much seemed pretty clear as long as he could keep winning on some level or the other. And hello, he has gotten that. He ha- we should say, BC... The UFC crowd, that Bellator crowd, and even that Mexican crowd in Las Vegas, dude, they, it was a smaller one, but they had, they blew the fucking roof off of that MGM Grand Garden Arena. And all three of those crowds, the American crowd, whoever it was in New York, the Irish crowd, and this predominantly Mexican or Mexican American crowd, amazing combat sports crowds this weekend. But, but, but Canelo truly has become something special. And I think, I was telling you this on the, uh, at the airport. Man, all this idea that, you know, it's kind of retired now, but remember those was big sort of like talking points about how Canelo hadn't really fully captured the hearts of the Mexican fight fans? That shit is over, dude. They, they 
there was a call and response between he and the audience after he won and he had the crown on. That was a moment. I saw it with my own eyes. I could not believe he, they adore Canelo. True or false? Yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, he he's, he ticks all the boxes. And it used to be those those hardcore Mexican fans that you mentioned because because he, he's not Chavez. He's not this you know come forward warrior. Oh, but then he proved in the second triple G fight that he can be if he wants to be, and he can still carry a high percentage of efficiency. I mean, he does it all. So it's about now, Luke, what's next? And really, it's all on him. He did in the post-fight press conference say, look, I've, I've been treated greatly on this run by PBC, by Showtime, and, you know, I, I want to come back in May. I want to rest my body. So that, that crazy fast schedule of trying to accomplish all the belts, he got there. He's going to take a little bit of a break. But who he comes back against in May, there's no way to even, you know, lean on who's the favorite here. He could go back to DAZN and cash in on that trilogy against Gennady Golovkin. If Golovkin defends his middleweight title against uh, Ryota Murata this, this December. But even if Golovkin doesn't, that's still a fight they can make. Or, you know, Canelo can look around and say, I'm having a good run right now with the PBC. Let's bring on David Benavides. Let's bring on a Jamal Charlo. Um, or... Let's go to 175 and keep this thing going. Hmm. Luke, whichever direction he goes, you get the feeling it's, it's going to stay on, on, on brand here, which is big fight, big attention, you know, certainly some danger there. But right now, unless he's going to fight Baturbiev, there's not a ton of guys who can give him that danger. And that, that's, that's just the tip of the cap to his greatness. Let's have a quick discussion and we'll move into the MMA side of things here. Last part of Canelo. Can we talk about how his resume stacks up against Julio Cesar Chavez? Um, because I have been, I was asked by CBS Sports, and truly this is a much more complicated debate than any of us can really do, in, even in the course of this podcast and whatnot. But if you just look at the, the resume, what stands out to you about Julio Cesar Chavez versus Canelo? Because they're asking me, like, where does Canelo rank among all-time Mexican boxers? And the default answer for a long time has been Julio Cesar Chavez. And what happens is if you don't pick Chavez, people think you're being insufficiently reverential towards him. And they use that insufficient reverence as code for, well, you just don't really understand how good he was or the, the greater implications of this. So let's actually compare and see if we're being insufficiently reverent. BC, if you look at Chavez's resume, the thing that stands out more than anything is just the length of it. By the time it was over, he was 107-6-2. I mean, the guy was a road warrior in and uh, was busy in ways that modern boxers simply aren't. So partly it's just a different business model. And he does have some nice wins along the way. He beat Roger Mayweather. He beat Meldrick Taylor twice. Uh, he beat Hector Camacho. But he had the loss, or the draw, excuse me, against Pernell Whitaker. He lost to De La Hoya twice. He had the loss against Miguel Angel Gonzalez. He had the loss to Costa Zoo and some other ones. How do you stack up the resume of Canelo versus Julio Cesar Chavez? It's very close right now. And, the, and some of those losses you mentioned on Chavez was the tail end. Chavez lingered for sure. a very long time. And he was still fighting when his son was an active fighter. They would share the same card. The thing for, for Chavez... The thing for Chavez that Canelo doesn't have is that incredible stretch of when Chavez was 89-0-1 at his peak when he finally lost cleanly to Frankie Randall in 1994. So in that 89-0-1 run... 
Were there a lot of cab drivers, as they would say? Yeah, absolutely. There was also that draw to Pernell Whitaker, which should have been a loss. Really, that draw to Pernell Whitaker, who was number one pound for pound at the time, was the equivalent of Canelo losing to Mayweather. You know, it's sort of like, okay, you, you, you're great, but there is one other guy. In between, you mentioned some of those great wins by Chavez. Really, what's keeping him atop this is he represented something more than Canelo does for such a long time. I mean, Canelo has had to overcome the idea of, like, this movie star looks, the red hair and freckles for a Mexican kid, which is, you know, not not, not normal uh, in that way, where he had to prove to people that he could fight, whereas Chavez was the everyman. Chavez was the, the you know, the the... He had the same feel as the guy who gets up at 5 a.m. to go to work to feel to feed his family. There was a connection there to the people that I don't think Canelo can. He can't get that pure of a connection. He he's getting there. He's getting there. But I, I think when you want to compare the two, it's going to come down to accomplishments. Chavez got some real names that he beat along the way. He did do it in a more closed set of of, of of weight classes there, you know, 135, 140, eventually 147. What Canelo's got in his favor, along with being the number one biggest star and number one pound for pound, which are things Chavez never fully acclaimed on a global status, although he was right, you know, in that conversation, is Canelo's now doing it over multiple weight classes, unifying titles, now the first undisputed Mexican champion. And he's taken on the best in the game I mean, he's got wins over Miguel Cotto for the middleweight championship, Gennady Golovkin. He's starting to really put together when you when you throw in wins over Danny Jacobs. You throw in unbeaten Saunders, unbeaten Plant. Luke, it's close. I don't know right now if I can firmly say he's 100%, but it's really going to come down to what's your, what's your pleasure. To some, he may have already eclipsed Chavez. To others... Give him a couple more big wins or, or you know. But this whole idea of going across four divisions and already claiming a title at light heavyweight, should he decide to go back up, he's going he's gonna to pass Chavez. It may have already happened to some. It feels inevitable right now. He's already done things Chavez never got to. And, you know, nobody fights as, as often as Chavez did back then in this modern day. We're praising Canelo just for fighting four times in one year, right? All of these factors together. If it's not now, Luke, it will be soon. I'm with you. I think if it's not now, it is frankly inevitable because Canelo is, what, 30-31 in his prime. He has years left of, as I said on Saturday night, terrorizing divisions that are nearby to his weight. Um, but I also just want to put this in people's mind, like doing what Cesar Chavez did was, you know, in incredible, uh, obviously. But you have to ask yourself, these are different questions and they ultimately don't mean who is better, who is the number one. But I think Canelo, if was forced to could do what Chavez did. I don't know if Chavez could do what Canelo's done. I don't know who could do what Canelo's done. Very, 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 very few. That's just my opinion. There's no way to prove that. But that's why I sort of side with what Canelo has done. It's a different era. It's a different kind of achievement. They don't have the same well, Luke, achievements. Let, let me settle it like this. I think our real argument is has Canelo's achievements equal the overall grandeur of what Chavez accomplished and what he meant right. to people. That's exactly that, right. I think he's he's close but not over. But I, but I think the other side of it, Canelo's a more complete fighter. Canelo's a better fighter. If you put these two together in a mythical meeting, look, Chavez is great. He's in that fight. He's going to get inside. Believe it. I think Canelo's a better fighter at this point in his career. All right. Well, with that, let's transition to MMA, which I know some of our audience has been patiently waiting for. So let's get to it here. UFC 268 took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And what a card it was. Frankly, what a stretch for UFC it is. 
267 and 268 on back-to-back weeks is just this is what I mean when I say I told this to Brian like you have Tyson Fury doing things historically one month then a few weeks later here's Canelo doing historic things and in between you just have incredible amounts of high level you know totally memorable MMA action there's just never been a time like this ever in our lifetime ever in the history of humanity for combat sports like this but let's start with Kamara Usman so he defeats Colby Covington in the main event to retain his welterweight title. I want to talk about Dana White crowning him the GOAT, which I think is not justified. But in the meantime, BC, here's the thing that we both kind of came up with after the fact. We noticed that a lot of folks had called the fight, or I should say scored it rather, for Colby Covington. Upon rewatch, BC, which I know you did this morning, do you agree? Does Colby Covington have a case for winning on Saturday night? A case? Yes. They were right, and and I do I do understand the plight of some of our fans who were like, "Hey, I wanted a legitimate Luke Thomas UFC reaction show, and I got BC doing a uh, you know ten you know sixty minute set at a local comedy club." What we missed in that Luke were some of the nuances of the rounds. So here's the deal: um, the fight looked a lot like the first one, but not completely. Obviously, right? The first one was a a go for all boxing match in which they both were willing to take on big punishment to land their own shots, and really just willing to test each other's chin, will, and gas tank and see who could be the last man standing. Turns out it was Kamaru by that much. Well, that gap in terms of ability for Kamaru did widen in the, in the nearly two years since that fight. But when you go back and really watch those rounds closely, three and four, for example, I think Colby Covington outworked Kamaru Usman in those. While one and two, what Usman did very, very well was control the center of the cage, land the heavier shots, and really just be patient. Luke, he was patient enough that he basically said, look, you know, I got more ways to beat you. Come at me with your best, and I'm going to counter it, and I'm going to just, you know. The difference for the first two rounds between that and the first fight was Usman not willing to take on all that damage for no reason. He was basically saying, you come to me and I'm still going to land the harder shots. But what you and I missed in real time in trying to watch that and put on an entertaining show was that Colby made some nice adjustments. And in three and four, I had him winning both in close rounds. And I think it came down to that fifth round, who you liked better. In the end, Luke, I liked Usman by a hair in that final round to hang on and win three rounds to two. I think what that ending missed... I don't think Colby sold his performance enough. I don't know if Colby knew it was this close heading to the scorecards. He was a humbled Colby. I know since since their post-fight hug where, you know, Dan Marigulata said, why don't you guys go kiss? And, you know, Colby's kind of explaining that all that shit talk was just to sell the fight, blah, blah, blah. We're friends now. I know Colby's come back since then and made some disparaging comments. But I think what was lost in that, Luke was Colby didn't really sell. Not that it matters, the judges' scores are already in, but he didn't really sell. Hey, I might have just won this fight. Luke, he might have just won that fight depending upon where you come from. Again, I thought Usman edged it, but I saw plenty of people scoring much of the second half for Colby. I want to know what you scored it on second rewatch, and I also want to know from you what Usman didn't do in your eyes to, to leave that door open to allow Colby to rally. And that wasn't an, it wasn't a rally where it's like, man, he may he may overtake the champ, but he's got an argument in those final three rounds, Luke. He does have an argument. I scored it first and second round. Obviously, second round, you have to score it for Usman, right? I mean, that one's 
Easiest call to make on earth, okay? So there's that one. I scored rounds one and two for Usman, rounds three and four for Colby. So to me, it came down 2-2 to round five, which, by the way, I think that's how I scored the first fight. I may have had it 3-1 Usman, but either way, it was either 3-1 Usman or 2-2. And this one, I had it 2-2 hitting into the fifth. I gave it to Usman by a hair, by a hair. I thought he did just a little bit more of the popping, damaging work even though Colby had a slight numerical lead there. But that's a tough call. I think that Colby saying he has a case for this is true. But, like, the problem with making the argument that you have a case to win is that argument is almost always going to be equally true for your opponent, right? So what you're basically arguing is that the fight is close enough that it comes down to preference, and that preference can go either way. But preference is just going to be essentially subjective. So when you argue... When, when you say, oh, I have a case, right, that argument extends to your opponent as well, which means neither of you are allowed to get mad about it, even though the stakes are pretty high in this one. I'll tell you what, what, what really was kind of interesting to me about this fight. This was not, to me, Usman is impressive in what... Let, let's also back up a step. Not every time St. Pierre won or defended his title was it pretty. You know, I thought his fight over Dan Hardy was not that great. There was a couple times where he got very close with submissions, but, but that was a very risk-averse performance from... George St. Pierre. He went for the takedown. He stayed in guard. He did some passing, but there was hardly any ground and pound. And you just couldn't quite square the threat at that time of Dan Hardy's guard with the lack of ground and pound. It didn't make a lot of sense. So this is not me saying that like every time a champion wins, it's glorious. It's not. Sometimes it's very much workmanlike. This is one such case. Still, he took the right thing from the first fight, which was the first two rounds of the first fight. He was switching stances and getting eaten up when he went to southpaw, so he stayed ultimately in orthodox. This fight, he did very little switching and was almost entirely in orthodox the entire time. And to the extent, BC, he was using his jab, his push kick, right? Where now you have the distance between them. So Colby has to navigate that with his strikes. He has to shoot from way outside. I thought Kamaru won that portion of the fight handily. That was very easy for him. What got him in trouble was when he would get close and then just exchange more or less in the pocket. Colby is actually better there. Colby is good about finding these whipping shots that come from unique angles. He puts combinations together better there. He's actually pretty accurate when you do that. If you stand in front of Colby and you want to have a volume battle, dude, he will win that one. I think he's shown that now over the course of nearly 10 rounds between them that he's very good at that. He, and, and Kamaru let him just basically get away with this for the yeah. third and fourth round. And the fifth round is where it got a little bit different, BC. But that's more or less how I saw it. Yeah, it's one of those fights where if you watched it without trying to score it, and then at the end of it in pride style almost was like, you know, who do you, who do you think won it? You're going to say Usman. And I'm sure Usman went to the that finish line thinking, look, man, I did enough. I dropped him twice in round two. I landed the bigger shots. He did. But we score this just like in boxing, round by round. And in round by round, Colby had those pockets of, of, of two-way striking, as you mentioned, where he was sneaky, he was clever, he was faster at times. And I don't think Kamaru did enough to really put that stamp on it. Luke, in real time, I think I saw what I was supposed to see from Kamaru, which is he never let Colby overtake him. And that was key. And there were times in the first fight, specifically round two, where Colby won that round clean and no doubt about it. And, he, you know, he he had those stretches where he's backing Kamaru up and maybe hurting him and putting on flurries. There was really none of that. It was much more slower chess. But uh, Kamaru does have to be a little bit careful, Luke. In real time, I thought this was a commanding, like, 
next step, le- next level step forward for Kamaru. Where on second watch, I think it was a little bit more of, you know, do what you have to do, but leave it in those judges' hands. And I think he was lucky that it, it wasn't the, you know, a wrong night at the office for him. Where he, I mean, he could have lost the belt by accident in this one, Luke. Yeah, also, Colby saying he got those takedowns. He didn't get those takedowns. Not, not, well, not by the Luke, way in which Fightmetric measures them, no. I don't know, man. I mean, I know DC, when I got to hear the broadcast, went, went heavy on that, that he did. I, I kind of think he did, Luke. I kind of think he got... I mean, he got him down to his hands and knees from behind. It's not a takedown. Unless you get on top, it's not a takedown. If I bring you to your hands and knees, it's not a takedown. i got to get you Can, to your hip. All right, let, let me ask this not out of a place of understanding because I, I don't claim to know a ton about this, but the first takedown from Colby, which was in the first or second round, in which Kamaru rolled through it with him so that yes. he could use the momentum against Colby, yep. how is that not a takedown because when Colby establish- shot in? You have to... You have to, you have to established control on the ground he never established it he got his back to the ground or whatever his hip to the ground never under control it was never under control so it doesn't count yeah i mean this argument doesn't do anything for the scoring of the fight at the end of the day but right you know colby did fight his ass off and i give him that respect oh, i think it was fought, an uphill i mean dude I, I actually the second time i watched this i don't know how you felt i was like dude colby got way better like yeah he he knows his strengths he leans into them he couldn't get shit going with the wrestling but i'm glad he at least tried i thought it made a difference in some ways like i would have liked yeah, more more leg strikes fighter, man i, I would have liked more more calf kicks more body kicks something to try to mix it up there was the threat of a head kick once in a while but he didn't really commit to it but you know through that though He's pretty damn elite, Luke. It's going to turn out in history that he's going to fall just short twice of a guy who, as we pivot now, you know, is knocking on that door of, of, of trying to become the best welterweight of all time and one of the truly elite fighters in UFC history. But Colby's not that far off. You know, it's interesting. Colby would beat – do you think Colby would beat St. Pierre in his prime? No. Because <clears> he'd get jabbed to death, right? I just think GSP has too many ways to control a fight. He's a better yep. chess player than Colby. Is a better chess player, and he's got phenomenal takedown defense. He has and good power. submissions. And power, and power, dude. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's, got, he's completely well-rounded across the board. And his, yeah, I was just thinking about this because it, it could come to the case, BC, where Colby never wins a title. Now, that maybe he does in the future. I don't know. We'll see. But it could happen where he doesn't win a title and yet could still go <laughs> down as, I don't know where he would rank, but in terms of, like, overall ability, where would it put Colby Covington to uh, at the end of his career? Again, we'll have to see what he does, but... He might have one of these cases where he belongs among consideration as some of the best that Welterweight has ever had to offer, even never having had the hardware wrapped around his waist. Now, I know he had the interim title, but I mean like the official one. Um, I guess we'll have to see where he goes from here. So speaking of that, BC, where do you think Colby does go from here? What's the next right move? He called out, he seemed like Jorge Masvidal. He wanted Jorge to drop out of the fight he has against Leon Edwards. What do you think? You know, I think that's the right pivot. I, I wonder, and I said this to you after the fight, and, and just uh, again, folks, okay, Luke and I did that live watch show, like, at, at you know, it's, it's the most inopportune time for us to get it right, right? We just watched the entire Canelo fight, did all the post-fight coverage, did a post-show. We were watching UFC through, you know, through our fingers on a second TV, so it wasn't our best way to really zoom in. We did the best we could for you there. Now we're giving you the good stuff. Um, I thought, I wonder how much more Colby has in him, meaning when you got to the t- mountaintop and you fall just short twice— and that guy that you just fell just short to, he's not going anywhere for a while. So your chances of a title shot in your prime, it's not looking good right now. So what do you do? I think you pivot to try to make the most money you can, and he's done a great job, by the way, 
even through cringe methods of having these little beefs with all these guys, whether it be lightweights, whether it be welterweights, that he can sort of focus in on and cash in on them. I think that's the point of his career where he's going to. I just wonder how many more times he's actually going to fight because when you get to that level and you put so much into trying to be the best and you can't be the best, sometimes those guys don't linger for a long time. So him deciding on Mazdal right now is very smart. Mazdal's um, stock at the moment is, is still relevant from a name value, but he's pushing into his late 30s. And that magical year of 2019, in my eyes, is getting further and further away. I think that's a fight Colby Covington can win, will win, knows he's going to win, and it seems like a smart move. There's plenty of backstory there. He could almost... Luke, with a little, with a little nuance, I wonder if he could kind of turn a little bit babyface against Masvidal and get some of the people cheering for him. Because... George, from a brand state percent, you know, from a brand statement, isn't as beloved as he was in 2019 by any means. No, definitely not. He has his brand has declined to a degree, and also like, you know, I didn't know exactly how the fans were going to receive Colby. Colby Covington has fans. He does. It's. I mean, again, you can say, oh, it's not as big as a lot of other bigger names in the UFC. That's not. I don't, we don't know it's on that level, but. You know, UFC was saying that they were crushing pay-per-view expectations. Again, a big part of that, of course, is Kamaru and Rose and, and everybody else who was involved in that card. But it's Colby as well. Colby got the biggest pop at the presser. You know, it's time to sort of acknowledge Colby has built himself into a little bit of something. I think Luke, the they one had a chant. Did you hear the yeah, first-round chant for Colby? I know eventually we got a fuck you, Colby chant, but first-round yeah. chant was 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 all for Colby. So he, both of the both of those are because of Colby though. You know what I mean? Like they're reacting to him in one way or the other. That's all he ever cares about. But I will I will say one thing BC. I will say one thing. We don't know what's going to happen with Hamzat and who he's going to fight next. I don't think he's going to get fast tracked to a title. Just reading the words and the body language of USC President Dana White, that does not seem at a bare minimum eminent or even likely. So Colby has a little bit of time to play with here. I will say one thing. As good as he has gotten BC even if Kamaru goes away, I still maintain there's a little bit of another level he needs to get to to really claim a title. I do believe that. I don't think he has maximized his potential, and I don't think he has reached quite a level of overall supremacy that allows him to comfortably say, I've sort of peaked in terms of my technical growth. What more can there be? I, I do think there's another level that he can probably fine-tune things. Not to the same degree that like Corey Sandhagen's working on stuff, but he's only 29. But I do think that, like, if Colby's like, oh, I'm here, I just got to wait for this guy to leave, I don't think it's going to be so simple as that. I think a little bit of work extra in the gym is probably warranted. Look, let me ask you a question in hindsight, because I don't want to put... Ask me. I don't want to put some, you know, negativity on Usman, because in the end, this goes down as another great win. But to what we were saying upon rewatch of Colby being more in this fight and having an argument to have won it, Usman's everything. I mean, he has evolved so rapidly under Trevor Whitman. His cardio is insane. His wrestling is amazing. He's now a knockout puncher if you come at him. Um, do you think, in hindsight, you would have liked to have seen him close stronger and go for the finish in this fight? Or is that asking too much? Because he got a little GSP-like down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of these guys who obviously what you would have wanted to have seen in the fifth round was what you saw in the fifth round the first time around when he dropped him you would want to have to have seen what happened in the second happen in the fifth that's always going to be your preference but dude it's not always that easy so listen this is what i mean about being a champion sometimes champions go in there like canelo and they're just so much better even up a weight class you're like wow man this dude is just inevitable and sometimes 
they get by on the skin of their teeth or, you know, I mean, this was a unanimous one. So it's not like so skin of the teeth, but you know what I mean? Like the fifth round was a little bit close. That's just how it goes sometimes. So I always agree with you. Like you really want to see that championship stamp put on there. It's just when you're, when you're fighting a guy like Colby Covington, dude, he's, he's going to be stingy with it. It's not going to be so easy. Let me ask you one more question. And I want to move to the co-main Dana White is already declared Kumar Usman to be the best ever at welterweight, um, even including over George St. Pierre. I got to tell you, I don't agree with that really at all. Do you? Yeah, we're not there yet. But to, to obviously to avoid what what Kamaru has done and is doing would be naive. I mean, you look at I'm looking at his record right now, 20 and one overall. We know he lost his second fight uh, way back in 2013, has never lost in the UFC and has been dominant and has evolved into a finisher against Burns and Masvidal and Colby the first time. Luke, I I just like GSP's consistency at the top. His his complete I mean it, it we're in a in a gentleman and a true uh, I mean there are so many categories that and we were talking about Canelo before. GSP like that has just clicked off so many categories of what it's like to not only be a champion and a long reigning champion, but somebody who has an argument at that goat chair, whether it's welterweight or the entire sport. And oh by the way, GSP still does have an argument for that overall goat chair in the entire sport. If anyone says GSP is the best of all time, look, you're not no one's gonna give him a dirty look. I mean seriously, I'm a John Jones guy, but nobody's gonna give him a dirty look. I don't think Kamar was there yet. He, but he's really close. To, to outright declare it now, I think it's a little bit more in the moment from Dana to try to bump up and sell Kamaru a little bit more. It's also him just respecting an active fighter who's doing everything the promotion would want. And also, Luke, uh, Kamaru didn't stand up at a podium in front of uh, a camera with Bjorn Rebney and try to start a fighters union. And Kamaru also didn't win the middleweight title and promise to defend it and then drop it. So, I mean, like, you know, you get it. You get it, right? I get it. I see what you're saying there. I think that the case for Kamaru is interesting, and certainly he's the closest I've ever seen to someone. By the way, he's almost going to match Anderson Silva's record streak at 16, although Anderson Silva was fighting in title fights by his second or third UFC fight, so they're not identical streaks, but at the same time, you know, you win 16 fights in a row in UFC, you're just a complete badass. So he's, he's on the doorstep, but to me, there's just a few more things that aren't there. Plus, never forget, St. Pierre went up a weight class after four years off and then took the time. Well, to I, I want to ask you that right there, because if you're a Kamaru fan, you'll go, hey, okay, GSP's great, but I saw him lose a couple times early on, right? Um, you know, Kamaru's been unbeaten, fighting elite competition in the UFC. So is there something Kamaru can do beyond defending his title another three, four times? Then, then this is probably not going to be an argument anymore because he's going to acquire those records you talked about for consecutive wins, title wins, all that stuff. Do you need him to do what he said he would only do if the UFC offered $150 million, which is move up and fight his good friend uh, Israel Adesanya? Do you, do you want and or need him to do that to, to have us? I don't, or maybe I don't really know how to word this no, question. I just no. mean... He can no, become. He doesn't the... need to do the exact same thing, so then we can just measure the two goats together like that. No, no, not like I that. I think he can become the goat welterweight without doing that. Can right. he become the actual goat without doing something like that, Luke? No, probably not. That might be a little bit harder to come by because that achievement, I think, is going to be so ubiquitous. Where even if you wanted to grant, let's say, when Usman is done, whenever that may be, you're like, wow, dude, he's the goat welterweight and goat all time. I, I, again, let's just assume you wanted to do that. I think by the time you know ten years, fifteen years passes, 
some guys and some ladies, by the way, might come along and then just make that argument impossible by virtue of capturing titles. Which, by the way, you know, I do think in the next 15 years we're going to see our first triple champ at a high level. I think that will happen. It will be unusual and rare and, you know, not that, not that common, certainly. But I do think it will happen. It seems inevitable at this point. We'll see how that goes. So I do think he probably almost, I think it's almost inevitable he will become welterweight goat. We'll see. But I agree, without weight class change, the, uh, the broader argument is almost impossible. Uh, all right, BC, let's go to the co-main event. Let's start with Rose Namajunas, who defeated, I would call, a very game, Zhang Wiley, to retain her strawweight title. Now, like Covington, let's start the conversation here. Does Zhang Wiley, does she have a case that she won that fight? Luke, she not only has a case... I think she won the fight upon second wow. watch. Remember when you and I were watching it live and we saw a bunch of those reporters who had their tweets put on the screen at the end of round three, and it's like 3 nothing Wei Lee. And in the moment, I'm like, are they watching the same fight I'm watching? Turns out, Luke, you know, I wasn't taking notes. I was, I was uh, living it up with you. Here's the deal. This is one of those where if you just watched it without scoring, the way that Rose finished this fight, so strong, fifth round, complete dominance, top position, she owned Wei Li. Now, you're not, not a ton of ground and pounds, but, but she owned Wei Li. You would go, okay, great fight, close, Rose won it. But we score it round by round, and scoring it round by round for real this time, Luke, I had Wei Li up 3-0 at that point. I thought Rose was in the fight, obviously, as they were some very close rounds. John Anik indicated on the air he thought number two was the swing round. I think number three was the real swing round, where it really wasn't until the end of that third round where I edged it to Wei Li. Either way... These are two all-time greats right here. This was mm -hmm. a, a very good rematch. It went the five rounds like the second Rose-Yoana fight. Only unlike that one, as much as I love what Rose did, I love her poise, I love her adjustments, I love getting to hear the broadcast and hearing how her corner knows her so well, they know how to calm her down and try to make her laugh because, look, when she's walking out to, I'm the best, I'm the best. I mean, that shit gets me fired up because Rose wears her, her life her emotions, her journey on her sleeve. The fact that she's this badass and a champion still has to kind of talk herself into being that, it's relatable. All that aside, though, I think what I saw the first time I watched it was Rose more efficient in terms of the striking on the inside where Whaley was loading up, throwing more looping ones. I didn't think Rose did enough upon second watch, though, in those first mm. three rounds. Whaley landed the bigger shots. She had the key takedowns. I liked Rose's adjustment in round four, and certainly in round five, Rose was dominated. Not a 10-8, but Rose dominated that one to leave no doubt. Uh, three rounds to two, Zhang Wei Li, let's do a trilogy, Luke. That's what I ended with. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll say this. I was looking up uh, MMA decisions. For folks who don't know, you can go to MMADecisions.com, and they look at media scores, how the judges scored everything round by round, so you can get a look and, and sort of see what the, the overall folks were thinking. In the case of Usman and Covington, you had virtually every single media score for Usman, different ways, some 49-46, some 48-47, whatever. And then just one for Covington, two had it a draw. Right? So pretty overwhelming in that case that they thought Kamar Usman won. You go to Rose Namajunas and Zhang Wiley, the game changes completely. First of all, I think you had, what, a split decision, right? So there's number one, it, it made it more close. Now, you had more people picking Rose Namajunas, I'd say two to one. But John Pollock, MMA Junkie, Ryan Frederick, Sherdog, uh, Cage Side Press, uh, Sean Sheehan, 
who I think is, by the way, a great judge, uh, sort of unofficially, right? He had it 49-46 for Zhang Wiley. He had it not even close for her. Yeah, I think she actually has a pretty good case, BC. I actually wouldn't mind if they ran this one back again. I don't know what the appetite is. It'd be weird to make Rose fight two pairs of fights where it was the same fighter for two, you know, back-to-back, then back-to-back, and then back-to-back-to-back. That would be really weird, almost without precedent. So I don't know that they can do that, but BC, I will tell you that Zhang Wiley is very much the worthy adversary of Rose Nama Yunus. I don't think it's hard to make a case for her. I thought that her top control didn't have enough firm control in terms of keeping uh, Rose flat or maintaining the position from the back. There wasn't enough ground and pound. She was kind of wild and frenetic, which we did talk about on Saturday night. But dude, like that was, if you picked Rose to win, like if that's the way you normally scored it, I wouldn't argue too much with it. But I would very much caution, not so much like the main event. Um, this one was this one was a coin flip at, at worst. I it feel really like. was. I mean, you got to give Whaley so much credit to make the adjustments she did from a head kick first round KO in that fight. And to your point, coming off the the sustained damage and the long layoff from the Joanna win, to be able to round out elements of her game. I mean, look, she is a great Zhang Whaley, a great fighter. And I know she's not getting any younger. She's what 32, 33. I think we will see this fight again, Luke. I think this is one of those losses but a win for Whaley where, yeah, she's going to have to circle back. She's going to have to beat some some top contenders, bring on Carla Esparza next for Rose. And I do agree with something I've said consistently that, you know, when Rose is at her best and she was pretty pretty damn near close to it in this one, um, you know, she may be the best women's strawweight fighter we've ever seen. I mean, she's got two wins over Ioana. Two wins now over Wei Lee and one over Jessica Andrade. So she's, you know, all she has to do now is she goes and beats Carla Esparza, who is the inaugural champion and who beat her for the belt. The resume is sick, and I love to see Rose get to this point because the, the fun in the Rose journey was she's had dramatic lows along with the dramatic highs. But I think, you know, Wei Lee's going to be back here, Luke, and I think it's going to be – I don't know where Ioana fits in this. I don't think UFC is going to just give her, uh, you know, the, the title fight. I wonder if they're going to offer her – Wei Lee, I wonder if they're going to say, okay, you want to you wanna make big money? We got one more for you. You're not going to get a free title shot here, despite your name. Do the Wei Lee fight a second time. And Luke, uh, this version of Wei Lee is going to beat Yoana the second time a lot easier. You mean the third time? Um, what do you mean the, the second time? Wei Lee beat Yoana the second time. Oh, it sorry, sorry. Th- yes, yes, yes. What am I saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, th- that time it might be quite different. She seemed to be quite fresh. I will say, though, that one thing you were asking from Kamaru that you didn't get, that you did get from Rose, was a bit, was a bit of a fifth-round push. You just look at their numbers, BC. They tell the story. You had Rose getting a takedown with nearly four minutes of control time and then limiting Zhang Wiley to her least amount of output in any of the rounds, just eight total significant strikes there that landed. That was a great job to, you know, seal it, right? Leave no doubt by the time the fifth round happened. Um, obviously, you know, the, the judging doesn't quite work that way, but you, you know what I mean. Like, really put a stamp on the fight as it ends. So I thought she did a great job with that. Um, but, dude, that's they are, they are neck and neck, 1A and 1B. And honestly, if they fought another night, that could have easily had a situation where Rose loses. So I would like to see, like you, Zhang Wiley get one more maybe. Uh, and then get right back in it because Rose does need a fresh opponent, but they can't look past what they saw here. The contenders came to fight on Saturday night in New York City, and, and Zhang Wiley, chief among them. Luke, Carlos Bars has been on such a nice run. Um, 
Do you see a do you see a close and competitive fight here with Rose? Because that feels like that's got to be next. Probably, I think so. I think she's earned it. It's a different Carla, you know. Um, Rose is probably much better than Carla in certain ways, but dude, Carla's wrestling is good. Her top control, it's good. Like Colin Oyama, her her longtime trainer, is a fucking major talent that just no one talks about, which just blows my mind. Yeah, man, like, she's a live dog. I, I would favor Rose to win. Yes, I would. But do I think that's like a foregone conclusion? People think because Carla versus Rose isn't as exciting to some as some other ones that Carla has no chance. No, dude, she's not number one contender again by accident. Actually, it's a, it's, she's a live dog as far as I'm concerned. I like that fight. Yeah, it's um, gonna all be, right. I like the story in that fight, though. I do. It's a, it, it's a, yeah. it's a great fight to make. It tells you about the... How fortunes change in MMA, how divisions develop, and it was really the right call for the UFC to bring that one up. Basically, they strip-mined Invicta to get it up, and it was the right call for them. Um, and that division has thrived, but some of the same power players, they find themselves in unique positions even years later. All right, let's go to number four on the list here, BC. Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler opened the pay-per-view main card in New York City, and what a fight it was. But the question I have for you, BC, is first... Did Justin Gaethje do enough for you, either in this fight or however you measure it, to be the next one to contend for a title for the winner versus Poirier versus Oliveira? Yeah, yeah, 100%, Luke. I mean, good God. He went in there against uh, as elite and dangerous a foe as you can face in this stacked division in Michael Chandler, who, I mean, he <laughs> he was all freaking in every second of this fight, Chandler, trying to win it. Uh, you know, to his own detriment at times, yet the fact that this went the distance is insane. Luke, this first round is, what did Jim Croce say? If I could put time in a bottle. If, I mean, I, I want to feel like I felt during this first round all the time, Luke. I mean, I would be wa I would be a walking orgasm, Luke. I, 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 gotcha, envy, I envy those. I think I saw Laura Senko trying to, on some interview, maybe with Submission Radio, trying to describe what it was like in that building and people were just going sick. I envy those who got to sit ringside in MSG for this theater, as they say. Our friend Brandon Wise of CBS Sports was able to sit up close and just drink it. What a fucking performance, Luke, of just manliness and danger and testosterone and, you know, BDE from both of them. But... The lean that I had in trying to handicap this proved true. It's that Justin Gaethje's durability won out against a guy who was all in on his own danger and brought it. But those short left hooks from Gaethje, those impossibly painful leg strikes that he, that he lands with such power from close range, they were the key. He's there, Luke. He, he, you may have seen the Justin of old come out because he had to in this fight. But that reform, Justin's still there under Coach Trevor Whitman, and he damn right deserves the next title shot. In fact, I, I, I dare you to tell me somebody who could deserve it over him, and I dare you to find somebody who could rewatch his title shot against Habib and not understand how freaking close he was to putting the champ in peril, Luke. Closer than Poirier. Not, not, okay? not very. Not very uh, is the answer. Also, it just goes to show Chandler couldn't get Gaethje down at all, and Habib did it with ease. Um, kind of tells you the levels of ability there, because Chandler is a phenomenal wrestler. So is Justin Gaethje, and Gaethje got thrashed on the mat by uh, Habib. 
I will say this. Why? Let me ask it this way. Why doesn't Islam Makachev deserve the next shot? What has he not done? I mean, Islam's the right the right answer to my question of tell me who deserves. Okay, yeah, obviously Islam Makachev's on that run. Gaethje's beat better quality competition, and his only loss in this stretch is to the greatest lightweight of all time. And he was in that to a certain degree, and then he went in against the most dangerous guy they could give him, and he beat him. I kind of think Islam Makachev needs one more, Luke. Hmm. You know what? I don't think it's a bad... I, you know, after Islam won at UFC 267, I was kind of like, well, this is the guy because he just... I mean, he just walked past Hooker. But then when you think about it, it's like, dude, beating Hooker is legit, especially in the way that he beat Hooker, right? Like, barely breaking a sweat, you know? But at the same time, it's like, is beating Hooker, as good as Hooker is, and as much as we respect him, is that sufficient for a lightweight title shot? Probably not, right? And that's maybe his highest profile win that Makachev has. I think I agree with you. I think I maybe I might be flip-flopping here. I mean, we're it, to me, I'll say this. The case for, like, Gaethje being like, oh, oh, obviously he's the guy. I gotta tell you, like, I'm not amazed by that. But given that his only loss up to this point, well, you know, more recent loss anyway, is um, against Habib, and then he rebounded against another guy in Chandler, that's just a tougher road than what Islam has done. But I agree, if Islam gets one more, I, you can't deny him at that point. And I'm really banking on the three most recent. I'm not counting the Cowboys throwing I'm, I'm talking about the three most recent big wins for Gaethje. The knockout of Edson Barbosa, the vacant title or interim title, whatever, title win over Tony Ferguson, who at that point, you know, still held, still held a, a large level of credibility and in, in danger. And now this against Chandler, that trumps the winning streak of, of Islam Mahachev at this point, Luke. It does. It does. It does. All right, let me ask you about Michael Chandler for just a second, if I can. So he came to the UFC at age 34. He was very clear. He's coming to test himself. He's not coming here to pad a resume. He doesn't care about protecting his record. He obviously is trying to win, but he's going to take on tough challenges. And you got to give him exactly that. He fought Dan Hooker. He fought Charles Oliveira and now Justin Gaethje. Dude, he ain't fighting chumps. He's out there fighting good guys. But he has gone one and two. Of course, BC, the mitigating circumstances is he came within a hair's breadth of beating Charles Oliveira. And even in this fight, he was pretty competitive and had Justin Gaethje rocked several times. He was in these fights. But but the numbers say one win, two losses in three fights. How do you evaluate to this point the first three-fight stretch of Michael Chandler's UFC run? Well, he he lived. He didn't do anything differently than he told us he would. To your point, you know the the, the great line of of here for a good time, not a long time. I I asked you this question during our reaction show, and I think it's a poignant one. In hindsight, now, and hindsight's tough to say, because Chandler going all in basically every second of his UFC career so far, including accepting that last minute. Um, you know, weighing in as a replacement in Abu Dhabi, accepting like, you know, every, everything he's done since coming to the UFC, it's been about being all in, in the moment. And while by being in the moment, he literally came that close to winning the UFC lightweight championship against, against, uh, against, uh, Oliveira. I mean, it was, he had two moments in that fight where you're just like, holy shit, he's going to win the championship. Um, he didn't do it. He had big moments in this Gaethje fight. He lost. He was consistent to what he said. So I give him that credit. And by doing that, you better believe he's got to be beloved by Dana White right now. These are This is the exact type of attitude, swagger, performance, company totally. man, always in shape, always ready to break. I mean, that's, that's exactly what the UFC totally. wants, that. But was that his best 
opportunity to maximize the time that he has here and the opportunities that he has here. I don't know, Luke, because he's been all in every single second on just rolling the dice in danger. Could he have won this fight? Which you got to argue if he if he had won this fight, would he have slipped past Islam Mahachev for the title opportunity? Would he have had to face Islam? You know, you don't don't know what's going to happen next. Could he have done it? Would he have done it if he was a little bit more controlled and set up? I don't see him taking down Gaethje at will and having big moments in top position. Uh, I don't know. I, what I can't figure out right now, Luke, is if by, by, by gambling like he has, did that elevate what he has left to the highest point it could be? Or did it take away a little bit from it? The more I, think I it took sit away here a little bit. I think it took a little way of it, but it's okay, actually. I mean, here's what I would say. He came here to test himself, and he's been tested. And what I have seen is someone who is thoroughly deserving of being in the top five of the, of the best in the entire weight class in the world, independent of organization, no doubt about it. And I would also say, BC, on Michael Chandler's best day, he's the best. When he is at his very best, he has an opportunity to beat anyone else in that weight class. And I really, truly believe that. That dude is a fucking hammer who always comes in shape. But more often than not, what he has shown is he is not the best lightweight on earth. He can be that on the right day. On just the right night, he does have that in him. But time over time, he's not going to be that guy. And so you have this creeping realization that he can't claim to be the best lightweight on earth. Yet at the same time, he is entirely worthy of the respect of his very elite peers. He beats some of them. He puts the other one through their paces. To me, he's a top five lightweight who's all action, who is capable of beating better guys than him on the right night. And um, that's it. That's how I evaluate Michael Chandler. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, it's somebody taking their opportunity and giving everything they had to it and going for it. I can respect that. I don't know, Luke, the more I really think about it, I wonder if he would if he would not if he would have come up short. If he would have fought a little bit more strategically, if he would have found out that he's very good, but he's not on the same level as those guys. By being that dangerous and gambling and going for it, it may have elevated his game, Luke. I'm starting to believe that. And it is Maybe. what it is at that point. Maybe, maybe. Nevertheless, um, it will be tremendous to see what happens next with them. All right, BC, last but certainly not least in the rundown, let's get to it. Number five, Patricky Pitbull. By the way, you're asking, what about Frankie? What about all these guys? Check them out on MK Extra Credit. We're going to talk about Alex Pereira, Frankie Edgar, a lot, Edmund Shabazian, a lot of stuff on there. The so new Conor McGregor, Luke? The new Conor McGregor? Who? Who are we talking about? Ian Gary? Oh, Ian Gary might get to him as well. Nice Conor McGregor, you mean? All right, I'm, so trying to, I'm trying to sell your show, Luke. I'm trying to sell it to the masses, you know? Thank you. Thank you, BC. Thank you. All right. Patricky Pitbull is your new Bellator lightweight champion. BC, he looked great against Peter Quilly. Again, that Irish crowd, absolutely phenomenal. They did. They, 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 I mean, that was one of the best walkouts I've seen for Bellator ever, period. And one of the better ones in MMA you'll find. All right. But the question is not about the, how great the evening was or the Irish crowd itself. The question is about Patricky. He looked phenomenal in this win. No doubt about it. He earned it cleanly, stopped the guy with strikes. No doubt about it. But is he a transitional figure, or is he going to dominate this weight class for some time? 
sadly for him, he's he's most likely going to be a transitional champion. But it's not it's not about that or that being a negative because what Patricky Pitbull has done is he's he's had a great career and it's been largely under the Bellator banner. He's been part of the fabric, like his brother, like Michael Chandler before them, in terms of you know who's the face of this promotion, not only all time but but you know the past ten years. It's Patricky Pitbull. He's thirty five now. He's come up just. He was the bridesmaid so many times, and the waters parted perfectly to open up for this opportunity his brother gave up the title he had a guy in front of him in a rematch who he's better than I thought he was better than the first fight but Queeley to his credit was able to force that stoppage but we saw what we needed to see here I think Queeley just stayed in the pocket a little bit too long I don't know if he was trying to you know gas uh Pitbull over time but when Patricky found that opening this is what the Pitbull brothers do they land powerful shots that right cross that hurt Queely was beautiful the left hand to get him again and finish him off quickly on the ground it was a great moment for him and you got to again tip your cap to Patricio Pitbull for opening this up to 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 his brother there but you've mentioned the name Usan Usman Nurmagomedov as a guy who's coming the cousin of Habib unbeaten Look great so far in Bellator. I'm saying, hey, AJ McKee just beat Patricio Pitbull at at what 30, 45. Uh, he'll be at 55 when he wants to fighting for that belt. Yes, this feels transitional, but what a moment for Patricky, who didn't really. I know he climbed the cage, but he didn't go ape shit and be like, yeah, I worked for this my whole life. He sort of just took it in, like, yeah. And um, what a night in that arena. He, he he was effusive in the post fight interview. He 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 was. He was bigging everybody up then. What? What? I mean, you. I don't think we can undersell that walkout. What that crowd is like. I think it was you who tweeted or told me, like, you know, if Bellator can only get an Irish star, and you know, they tried with James Gallagher, who lost in this co-main event, and a big step-up opportunity. But that crowd is, oh man, that crowd's great. That zombie walkout with the crowd singing it. I mean, it looks like Chris Jericho at an AEW match with the crowd singing his theme song. I mean, it was just special. And then Patricky on the road just shuts them all the hell up. It's a big win, a big performance. But no, Luke, I don't expect him to um, to defend the title even once, Luke. Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, Patricky, between he and his brother, has been something of the forgotten one because he had some bad losses. Like Michael Chandler shut his lights out in the worst way possible, right? I mean, a vicious KO. And he's had some other losses along the way, too. And so it took his brother essentially abandoning this post for him to, to move into it. But, you know, listen, I'll tell you this much. He has been a Bellator staple for a long time. He is consistently one of the better lightweights in their division. He waited his turn, and he got it. And he is the deserving champion. And about that, there can simply be no debate. Peter Quilly had two chances to take it from him. Not the belt, but, you know, the win. And... Uh, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it even in his hometown. So he's the deserving champion. But, dude, I mean, listen, you just got to call it like it is. All of these promotions, including Bellator, are signing all these guys from the Smash Factory. If you've not been watching Bellator and you've not been seeing what Usman Nurmagomedov is doing, oof, you are about to have a rude awakening. Um, Usman Nurmagomedov, and your point is AJ McKee might go up there and take it too. Like I take that absolutely seriously. He's, you know, we'll see if he changes the weight class to go do it. But I agree, if he goes up there, he is as ready for that title as just about anybody you can name. But to me, Usman Nurmagomedov is better than Patriki everywhere, and not by a little bit, but by a lot. I think it is inevitable that Usman Nurmagomedov wears that title, and probably sooner rather than later. So as as good of a, a win as this was for Patriki, as improved as he is, as nice as it is to see someone 
who gave their career to Bellator get opportunities from Bellator to be in the spotlight and to shine. I'm happy with all of it. But, you know, if you're putting a gun to my head and asking me who's going to be the champion in one year's time, if we did this show in one year from today, it's Usman Nurmagomedov with a bullet, and it's not even... It's not very hard to call that. But sometimes, BC, I go on like you know sports radio shows, and they'll be like, oh, who's the next big guy coming up that we should pay attention to? And I'll name someone, and they'll be like, well, that's such an esoteric name. Only you could have picked that out. And I'm like, dude, no. When you see these guys coming, it's not hard to identify who sticks out from the pack. Usman Nurmagomedov can strike. He can wrestle. He's got submissions. He's smart. He doesn't get hit. He's young. He's athletic. <laughs> that dude is about to beat some people up on way to, yeah. I think, capturing and retaining that belt. And when I say a perfect storm, this is a, a, a reshuffling of the deck in this division for Bellator. It's not particularly deep at the moment. There's there's some retreading old names getting cycled out. So it was the perfect moment for Patricky. But Luke, what do you make of the captain... And I'm trying to start shit. He had a decision to make. Eric Alburacin, who was brought into uh, Zhang Weili's camp for the Rose fight, he chose being in Whaley's corner at MSG instead of being in Patricky's for his title fight. That's a tough decision to make, Luke. That is a tough decision to make. But candidly, I think Zhang Weili had a bigger responsibility uh, and difficult challenge relative to what Patricky had. I don't mean to, to say Peter Creeley is some chump. I don't, I don't think that he is. But... You know, Patricky, relative to what he... I mean, Patricky, you know, had done well enough the first time. Obviously, he got hit a little bit too much with those elbows and got cut open, so that was the issue. But, you know, in general, you, you could have a strong degree of confidence that Patricky could win that without everyone necessarily being there. I don't think that's crazy to say. Comparatively, I think Zhang Weili would have needed every help, bit of help against someone as decorated and accomplished as Rose. And sure enough, they made the right call, even if they didn't necessarily get their hand raised. Um, but yeah, great night, a great weekend of fights. And if I, you missed something and we didn't get to it, check us out on MK Extra Credit. We'll get to it there. Okay, BC, uh, we have now asked each other questions, but it's time for the audience to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from the Diggity Dogs. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. All right, BC, from underscore, excuse me, at Kieran underscore Edwards 2. With an absolutely outstanding weekend of fights, Brian Campbell, what was your, well, each of us, your moments of the weekend? What do you say? Yeah, let me ask, answer that professionally and, and in terms of, you know, fight fandom. Um, you asked me, because we had a great, what a week for MK, and you asked me at the airport late last night, you know, what, what was the most fun thing we did? What was the best thing we did? I got to say, Luke, you and I, the post-Canelo weigh-in show, and this doesn't really answer this question, but you get my point here, Yeah. sitting down with NBA great Paul Pierce, and doing a 26-minute reaction to the weigh-in interview on Paul's life and career. Look, that was some fun shit in a week in which we did tons of fun shit, including thanks to our good friend Andreas Hale for joining us in the MGM lobby for the res for the uh, pregame preview. It was fun. Welcome to the Showtime extended family, Paul Pierce. We hope to get to mix it up with him. He legitimately knows boxing. He's been to so many fights at ringside. So for us professionally, that was it. As a fight fan... The best moment of the weekend, Luke, was round one of Gaethje and Chandler. I mean, that yeah. that's one of – I mean, you had you had Teddy Atlas on with uh, – what? with Was it was it Jose Young's afterwards in MMA fighting at MSG saying, I, f I feel like I was in Manila. I feel like it was Ali and Frazier. Okay, slow your roll here, Teddy. Yet with that hyperbole said, that was some special shit, Luke. 
That's why we do this. That's why we. That's why we. That's why we do this shit, Luke. Okay. That's why we put up with all those, those UFC fight night cards on FS1 that don't start till 10 p.m. Eastern, and there's six fights on them for moments like this, Luke. Okay. I'm going to say, you old um, bitch. Yes, uh, I'm going to say favorite moment. Honestly, it was the first time Caleb Plant touched the canvas because I was I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I know. Anytime we answer, like in the affirmative of something related to Showtime over MMA, our fans think that we're like doing that, um, you know, inorganically, like we're doing it, uh, you know, Stockholm syndrome wise. But honestly, no, dude. Canelo is such a special fighter. Canelo, even though I took a big boxing break, he was one of the fighters I covered years and years ago. BC and I met, as a matter of fact, at Canelo versus Mayweather. Um, so that's one of the few guys I could say that's been a consistent thread, even as I was an MMA fan, an MMA editor, unable to really sink my teeth into boxing. And just to finally watch him get Plant to put his, hand, his gloves on the mat was... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I was I was blown away right at first. So uh, quite 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 cool to see that. Um, hey hey Luke, on our else? credential that you and I got for covering this fight, they had a picture. They put a picture. They used the picture that I took in 2013 at Mayweather Canelo as my um, yes. As, same for me. Same can for I, me. Can we zoom in here, team? <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Look at back, this. Back it up just a, back it up a little bit. Back it up a little bit. Back it up a little bit. Look at back this thirty. I was 35 then, Luke. I look like I was about 15, right? You look like someone who's into uh, choking people for erotic yeah. pleasure. You're, you're, you you had no gray back then, Luke. I know. I mean, can you believe how? I've gone, I've gone gray like it's a contest. You know they uh, sell so you, things that you can put so yeah. in your hair, like black shoe polish that you can... <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to copy the uh, wonderful precedent you've set. By taking permanent marker and just... <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. From Nalaka. Since Dana said he thinks Usman is on track to becoming the GOAT, what are his next career moves to actually enter the GOAT conversation? Also, BC, what if Izzy loses the title? I don't know that he will, but let's say that he does. That could change Usman's equation yeah. about going up to 185. From what you've seen from Usman, do you think regardless of who holds the title, that he's a threat to win the middleweight title should he decide to move up. Yes. Okay. 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 A threat. Not by no means a foregone conclusion, but a threat. Who would you like to see him defend the UFC welterweight title against in the next 18 months? Kumaru? Yeah. I would say um, 
I'm not that high on Leon's chances, frankly. I know some folks, your mileage may vary, but that's probably the right thing to do. So I'd say Leon. Uh, let me pull up the rankings here. I mean, Very obviously quickly. Hamza. We're all gonna we're all gonna say that. I was surprised. Luke, In the next eighteen I, months, yeah, maybe. I was genuinely surprised that Dana is shooting this down. In fact, he was kind of making fun of media members Luke who K. had who had said that. Luke. Yeah, you know so I probably go. I probably go Edwards, Luke, Kamzat, something like that. You don't see somebody in that top 15, like a Sean Brady or Muslim Salikov making some kind of run here? I do like Sean Brady a lot. I, he's a fucking amazing fighter, but he's sitting at 14. He's got work to do, right? It's not saying he couldn't be that, but he's got some work to do before we can declare that you know he's going to be fighting for a title. Do but you yeah, think one, Wonder oh, Boy or Burns, he might, Burns might get a rematch. That could be interesting, right? What about Wonder Boy or Michael Chiesa? They haven't fought him. They could slide in. I don't. Right? Um, Chiesa, to me, dark horse candidate, but possible. Wonder Boy, no chance. He just lost his last one. I think they're just going to wait him out. He's not going to. He's not going to get back there. Are you trying to call him an old bitch, Luke? No, that's you being disrespectful. That's me being reasonable. Okay, All right, from at Philly underscore Dent. Do you think we're about to see Colby drop his shtick either completely or to a lesser degree after showing Usman some respect after the fight? Fuck no. What are people talking about? <laughs> I don't understand. They're like, oh, is he going to have to change his stick? Okay, he took the fucking Made in America or whatever the fuck it is, MAGA hat off. But he's still doing the same nerds and virgin shit he always did. And by the way, BC, as we indicated, it appears to be at least on some level working. Yeah, it is. And, you know, he's also leaning heavy into the first responders, military, which he has in the past, but if he, like, again, with some subtle nuances in this, he can still be effusive, as you say, to the right, in the right situation, but against the right opponents, bring in more cheers. It, it's going to have to be a subtle, you know, heel to face turn, and you can be an aggressive face under pro wrestling terms you can be a stone cold steve austin you can act like a badass but still get the cheers i wonder if cole do you luke is would you be surprised if a year from now colby is getting more more cheers than booze in every situation no i would not be surprised at all okay okay are uh, there even though who even, would you even like though to what see... he does is completely odious and awful and that people who cheer lead that are fucking deranged but Aside from that, do I think it will work with the existing fan base, or at least I should say portions of it? Yeah, I think it will. Um, beside, let's say Usman hangs on to the belt. Who do you want Colby to fight? Do you think he goes out of his weight class to try to set up some grudge match pay-per-views? I would like to see two tough fights for him. Two tough ones, right? Two times he gets pushed a little bit. Jorge Masvidal seems like that's a grudge match you could make some money on, and Jorge probably knows his game to a degree, and so... That one. And then after that, I think the Gilbert Burns fight, dude. Gilbert Burns, he might have something to say about Colby being number two in that division. You know, maybe Kamaru's just the guy and, and we, the, none, of, none of his contemporaries can do anything about that. But Gilbert Burns versus um, Colby, that one is interesting because Burns' submission threat, his wrestling ability, his striking ability, uh, overall his, uh, his great gas tank. Like, dude, he's a fucking tough customer, man. So I, I like that fight. I like that fight a lot. What about... Colby versus Nate. Ugh, who wants to see Nate get beat up that bad? No, I don't want that. I don't want that shit. No. This is not that interesting. All right. From at Abu underscore Sasha underscore Camila. That's our guy, Luke. Sasha. 
That's that's our guy. That's our guy, uh, Leo. Yeah, Lee. That's our guy, Lee from uh, Chandler was, was a beast in that loss. Where does his rank? Where, excuse me. Where does this rank in a list of all-time losses that might have increased a fighter stock? Now that's the Diaz special right there. What do you think, BC? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a fair point right there. Um, no one's saying anything bad about Chandler. That, that that's what you get when you fight like that and you come so close to beating elites. Um, Luke, what's what are some of the 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 best moral victories in a, in an elite level UFC recent history. I mean, so you want against you want against Whaley, yeah. That's a big one. Nate against Leon Edwards is a big one. Um, you could do um, I'm trying to think of some other ones along the way, where like they were just a, commendable losses. Romero um, against Costa. That's a great one. That's a good one for sure. Um, yeah, something like that. I mean, it would take me a while to sort of go through it all, but but yes, those are some great choices. Uh, and then last but not least, BC, this one's just for you. From Mishbind, what happens to the five Wheel of Death options that we never get to hear each week? Wow. So, so, yeah. You want to see what happens behind the curtain? You want to see that little man turning the wheels here? You know, Luke, there's ten options each week. Luke gets five spins, and you get what you get. Sometimes they get repurposed again luke sometimes they disappear forever if they were timely in that moment um people don't really want to know how this shit works do they luke do you actually have questions for every topic or is it are you, are you trying to to imply that the wheel is rigged this one's iron this like one's i steel. i don't play if this don't get you this one wheel yeah i don't play video poker i don't trust those computers luke you know what i'm saying you don't trust the Dominion voting machines? No, no. You I only uh, vote on paper with a pen, with like a like a, yeah, like a pencil, like a Scantron. Remember those Scantron right. tests we used to have to take in we, the eighties? We Luke? have we have phoned in the uh, DM Scantron. Vote. Remember that shit, Luke? Scantron. We had a, we had a dude. We had a friend who was so good at those tests. We used to call him Scantron. Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, did he pay for sex like most of your friends, Luke? No, he actually was one of the few that didn't believe it or not. But dude, I have so many friends who have hired prostitutes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> wow, it's okay. great, Luke. Great. Please share that more often. That's great. Hey, most of them were uh, active duty military when they did. So everyone's like, support the troops. I'm like, even the ones that like pay for hookers, even those ones. All right. Anyway, uh, okay, BC. That's it for us on DMs from Donks. It's now time for your bullshit. <laughs> we got a good one here, okay? We, uh, we, you know what we do in these parts? We scour the globe for the uh, highs and lows, the good and bad, the ugly, the in-between, in combat sports I'm and looking, beyond. I'm looking forward to this edition, by the way. We call it, have you seen this shit? Yeah. Have you seen this motherfucking shit? By the way, speaking of shit, I'm about to take one after the show. Yes. Yes, you are. Uh, shout out to Gaffney Pierre, a fine producer, for compiling all this shit and putting it in order for me. UFC 268 and NYC. Luke, you're going to get to it on extra credit, but let's have a look at it quick. Two-division glory champ Alex Padeda did not get Gokan saki Luke. He delivered the boom to this. Is that a Polish fella? Mikolitis? Uh, Greek? Greek, I believe, Greek. right? Greek, yeah. yes. Luke, that's a hell of a finish. No one's talking about it because that card was so amazing, but that's a hell of a finish. And this was the main event of the prelim, so yeah. Pereira doing everything the UFC could have wanted and then some great debut. That's what happens when you train with Glover, baby. Okay, another yeah, Connecticut dude. guy, Pereira, right? I'm, I'm compiling a factory town MMA team right now in Connecticut, Luke. 
Yeah, yeah, you are. I have to admit, that's pretty fun. All right, uh, backstage, Luke. Real recognizing real. You know this hog is going to get me fired up. Valentina congratulating Rose on her victory. Oh, that's great. They're training partners and friends and uh, just two badasses. That's great. Yeah. There's some, what, they're occasional training partners is what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all the time. Not all the time, but they definitely have trained together. Valentina was there with Halle Berry to promote that new movie. What's it called, Luke? I don't know. Uh, this movie sucks ass is what they should just call it. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, Kevin Holland joined the chorus on Twitter, backing up the idea that uh, that takedown from Colby that DC went on the record with, he would know he's an Olympian, was a takedown. Luke, I side with them. I side with Kevin Holland. Yeah, I mean, take it up with Fightmetric, who has a very particular measurement of it. Perhaps if you wanted to have a different measurement, you could do that. But according to the way that records are compiled, no, it's not. Has fight me- has the nerds at fight metric the the nerds and virgins ever uh, wrestled in the Olympics, Luke? Have they ever there trained? Actually, at- there actually are some guys who wrestled competitively who do work at fight metric. Yes, believe it or All not. Right. Have they have they ever rolled with uh, the fox catcher guy, Luke? John Dupont. Yes. Okay. Unless you've done you that mean, like, shit before or after his murder. Uh, before he Ben Wad, the U.S. Amateur Association. Oh God, what a that's a, that's a tough Dude, ending. You really are like, hey man, remember the time that a bunch of people died in that? Uh, what was it called? The, the Holocaust. Yeah, remember that? Spoiler alert: that movie ends badly. All right, Luke. Uh, this was it's a like, great Dude, moment. Schindler's List is not a romantic comedy. People fucking oversold that. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's what, not a romantic one of the comedy at all. One of the better moments in Chandler Gaethje was this piece of business, Luke. I, I, this is when I popped. This is when I got fired up. Same reason that. that's not a takedown. He just comes up on... Now, that would be something of a... T- I don't know if they would call that a takedown, depending how you want to word it, but Chandler picks him up and drops him, but never establishes control. And it came at a moment, round three, where you're waiting for Chandler to get knocked out, and out of nowhere, he's got this surge of energy to slam him, and Gaethje rolling through it. Good shit, Luke. I love this type of stuff. All Great right? fight. Great fight. All right, let's see uh, Bobby Green's entrance into the cage. Colby came in and did a somersault, but about an hour before, did you see Bobby Green's entrance? He always does this. I love it, Luke. I love that yeah. shit. Dude, Bobby Green looked fucking awesome against Al Quinta. Really, really. I know Al was off for a long time or whatever, but Bobby Green looked good. Yeah, t- t- <laughs> tough night for those Long Islanders, Luke. More to come on that. Oof. Let's go over to Ireland's Ian Gary, who... Uh, who talked a big game after this, Luke, in the interview, kind of called himself the next Connor, but uh, he's much more polite about it. How do you think about the finish here? Yeah, I mean, the guy was just lunging forward, swinging wide hooks. Gary took a step back and then just punched over the top. It's great. Great recognition, great accuracy, great distance management. There he is fainting. Watch him takes a step back at an angle. Another one pops it, takes a step half back right there. Boom. If you want to know just, if this just, guy's just for great. real, watch MK Extra Credit later today. I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. Pro- maybe. It will be possibly all right uh, all the things it will be all the things that you hate about people who watch mk for analysis it will be all very true very true you you guys put the anal in analysis very well all right it's time for a chris barnett appreciation post here from ufc 268 let's start with his walk to the cage luke dude this fat man is my fucking hero look at this guy now, Luke, he shows you, up to weddings. He shows up to weddings and outdances every groom. Oh, he will eat all the cake. He'll take all the women. Look at this guy. He knows how to partay. People will say that, know me. Hey, BC, you're always criticizing um, Michelle Pedeta and Johnny Walker for using all their gas tank dancing to the cage. How come you're not uh, criticizing this guy? Because this guy's too fun, Luke. This guy's intoxicatingly fun. All right? He's just got and a great you, attitude. And also, he knows how to finish. 
in John Volante's final UFC fight in which it didn't look like he trained for. Good lord, Luke, spinning wheel kick from a fat guy? I'm not sure if it was spinning wheel or spinning heel, but either way, look at this windmill. And watch this celebration. I've never seen that before. Oh, God, Luke, that's incredible. Dude, he's the best. He's the fuck. He's so athletic for being a big old fat guy. He's the best. Dude, when he landed on his ass, he did like the double devil horns and did a split. I mean, what a finish. Look at that guy going nuts in the crowd. All right, we're not done here with uh, one Chris Barnett. Let's check out his celebration dance after the win. Now, Luke, I don't have another video, but he would go on to celebrate walking by the media tables. He just basically danced the whole way back to the uh, locker room. Dude, you know what? Ryan um, Ryan Jimmo used to have the best robot. Remember his robots yes. after he, he yes. would win? Rest in peace, Ryan Jimmo. Hey, shout out fat guys. I love fat MMA. I love it. All right, let's Dude, go to fat Bellator. Heavyweights, fat heavyweights who are jovial and can dance are the all-time apex predators. Yes. Guys that drink out of shoes love those guys. All right, let's go yes. to Bellator in Dublin. Lightweight Daniel Scatizzi. With the head kick on Brian Hoy. Oh. Hoy. He, he would go on to take the decision win here. Yeah, that's a great looking kick right there. Take that shit. All right. Bop. Let's keep it. Luke, if you do you know about Turkish heavyweight Gokan Sarakam? He needed just uh, I don't. 15 seconds to tell to send Charlie Milner to hell. Here's all 15 of them, Luke. Look at that leg kick. Looking like Lesnar against uh against the damn what's that guy's name the the Heath Herring Luke. No, that went on for three rounds. Yeah, but that first round where he, where he threw the punch and then went with the running tackle on Heath Herring, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, That's yeah, what it looked yeah, yeah. like right here. Yeah, yeah, and, and almost like over tackled him and missed. Yeah, check out this leg strike though that that sent him down. Can we see that one more time, Gaff? Please. Yeah, I mean I don't know what to say about this. I don't. Oh, uh, we, we missed it. We missed it. We missed it. All right. Hey, there Way was a girl. Oh, here's here it is. Here it is. Oh shit! They put that fat dude in peril, Luke. Yeah, Looks he was like, walking into it too, which probably like Gaethje Habib right there. All right, Luke. Let's go to uh, the Jake Paul press conference in Vegas, and let's first see Jake's attire to this. Luke, he looked like a Back to the Future like space villain from the from like you know fifty years from now. He looks like the final boss in a straight to DVD movie. <laughs> or or something like he's like he's like the evil boss in like the the next zoolander movie put that back up put that back up look at him i, I mean Let's he's see. got some he's got a nice side side piece there luke well, well done but that's well, an interesting... I mean, that's, a, that's a human being that you can refer to as such you don't have to have a label like that that's very dismissive and uh otherizing but um are you saying like she could Bentley. be his one and only luke is that what you're saying I'm just saying the suit was made by the character that Will Ferrell plays in Zoolander. All right, like. let's hear from Jake. Uh, he had an interesting roast of Dana White during this press conference. Doesn't he always? Uh, Dana, again, thank you, wherever you are. Thank you for promoting my fights. You literally tee up every single fight for me perfectly. You place bets against me. I prove you wrong. You try to bring in coaches to, for, for my opponents so that they can beat me. You're letting Tommy Fury train at the... <laughs> UFC Performance Institute, give it up, guy. Like, give it, give it up. Fight a real boxer. Fight. When is he gonna fight a guy his own age? Whatever Dana White is constantly fucking saying, you know, I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, and he's mad that I'm doing it because he's a control freak. And when he doesn't have his fingers dipped into someone's business, he doesn't want to see them succeed, and he tries to bring them down. But 
He's not smart enough to realize that every single time he talks about me, it just makes my shit grow up. Look, I think he's he's right. And he's, I didn't even know about yeah, Dana offering right. the, the P.I. to Tommy Fury. That's interesting right there. Yeah, yeah, he's very right. I mean, Tommy Fury actually, I feel like, has a decent chance of beating Jake. Uh, we'll talk about that in probably in the coming weeks, to the much to the dismay of our hardcore uh, MMA fan audience. But um, in all seriousness, like I do think Dana White desperately wants Jake to lose, and Jake is right to highlight that as a way to sort of stick it to him. I mean, just like Dana desperately wanted Kimbo on and the Elite XC and Strike Force years to lose, right? He desperately wanted. Uh, Fedor to lose? Yeah, I think he's right. Luke, he's right. but the real MVP, Tommy Fury was unable to attend this due to a family emergency. The real MVP of this press conference turned out to be the comedian Drewski, who played the role of Coach D. Luke, I don't even know if people in this press conference were in on this joke. This was some Andy Kaufman shit with Coach D calling him white boy and look at the little, little workout they did. Oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Excellent drill. You know, the Look, you kind of have to watch the whole press conference to get the full context, but I have yeah, to say that wasn't funny. Jake is cringy at times. This was hilarious. I'm not kidding. They were deadpanning the entire time. This was this was very well done. I'll uh I watched it. I did not find it nearly as humorous as you, but also I've not been hit in the head repeatedly with a tire iron, so there is that. Luke, I know comedy, all right? You might yes, be surprised you have that, about that. You have that BDE, that brain damage energy. I know. You might be really... surprised about that. I know comedy, okay, Luke? All right, let's go back to yeah, UFC 2. You are such... You are just trying to appeal to the minor... You are... You... you I love you, but you are a handful. God. Luke, I serve all fans, okay? there's ve We have very different variety of fans. You're always going after those boring ones who are like, you know... Yeah, I Right? Hey, let's go back to UFC 268 because so much happened. Luke, uh, Dana, did Dana pay for a cameo for the Island Boys? Let's hear this bullshit. Hey, UFC, oh, Dana, why you about to put that boy up in the octagon? He about to get fed MMA out of style. We like out of boxing when you throw up out of hands, yeah. Throw up a cut, knock him out, knock him down, yeah. Talk about like that when you talking when he's down, yeah. You don't make a Dana way, you really at your proud, yeah. Yeah, that game winning money, take it really home, yeah. You can do it all, now they truly keep you thrown, yeah. Bears, all the fighters, all the century better fight, yeah. Talk about okay, man. That jig is really tight, yeah. Knock him out, knock him out, left and get right, right yeah. yeah. Talk about, talk about, knock him very light, yeah. Hey, and Vinny just a throw, just some strikes, yeah. You mm. better throw a kind of punch and knock him out, man. Then a white gun, just one chance, yeah. yeah. One shot, one shot. He just wanna be in the UFC, man. So he can put it up in his chin. And man, big shot to you, man. Okay, that's enough, Cap. That's enough. End this shit already, all right? Luke, um, do you think our, our our MMA fans of the show hate more when we talk about Jake Paul or when we play the Island Boys, Luke? Where's a drive-by shooting when you need one? <laughs> Jesus. Luke, will, will these guys, any chance these guys become the next stem where, where like UFC brass doesn't realize how lame they are and makes them the Fight Island Boys and their theme song I plays? I don't even know what language they were speaking. What was that? <laughs> it wasn't English. Hey, speaking of Dana, Luke... Um, even Canelo laughed about this. Dana White watching Canelo plant 
from cage side at MSG later claiming Listen, I, he bet 100k on a knockout. Well, he got that <laughs> knockout, Luke. Listen, everyone wants to grill Dana for watching Canelo at the UFC event, but Dana, you got to remember something. Like, I, there's plenty of things you can criticize Dana over. It's not very hard. But honestly, this one, like, you're stupid rich. You had paid, you had bet, like, a pretty fucking significant bet on Canelo. He's a, dude, at the end of the day, Dana White can say whatever he wants. He is a boxing hardcore. He is. He is. You have to give it to him. He's a boxing hardcore. There was no fucking way he was going to miss that fight. Not a chance. So, like, everyone was kind of groaning for it because you've got UFC right in front of you. But, like, that's just who Dana is, man. I kind of get it, actually. No, I'm and not he respects on. Canelo, and I like that he said, like, enough of this Usman and he did. By the Canelo way, he was thing. asked about it afterwards. He obviously took a shot at Steven Espinosa, the, the head of Showtime Sports, whatever, because those two obviously are battled. He went out of his way to not say one bad thing about Canelo and even said... Um, I like Canelo a lot. Like, it, dude, it, it's the number one pound for pound boxer in the sport. Dana White's a hardcore boxing fan. Like, I, I expected that. Luke, backstage at MSG, check out this piece of business caught on camera. Francis Ngannou snubs Cyril Gan as he walks by. I mean, what do you want him to say? Yo, dap him up and be like, "What's up?" Yeah, I do. I do. How's how's my old coach doing? Yeah. Nah. He's got to fight these guys in uh, two months' time. Nah, right? No, that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm down with that. That's cool. Uh, one more. Uh, we talk about the Jamokes who make up the, U the MMA media these days, Luke. Here's one that got a press pass to the press conference on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, this is the house that the UFC's uh, media policies have built, basically. Yes. Shout out to Mike you know, Bone, who took time away from... I don't know if from... they like this or not, but this is exactly what they have earned themselves by virtue of how they've handled media. Mike Bond media took criticism. time away from getting to third base on an airplane to put that picture out for people to see. So thank you very much, Mike. All right, Canelo... Uh, I mean, Canelo, good God. Conor McGregor began his training yesterday, Luke, for his upcoming celebrity wheelchair boxing match with impersonator Al Foran. Real excited to get in and have some fun, bust the eyeball of the celebrity impersonator. Al, you can be Pacino, Joe Pesci, even Big Ty Fury, but you're still just Fat Al from Talagot to me. Uh, Luke, there's something cringe about this picture. Like, okay, cool, I like supporting charity, but is he really going through with this? This is kind of lame. I'm still uh, I'm still upset we had to watch the Island Boys. I don't really right. have much of a comment about this. Let's keep it going. Top Rank Boxing was in Las Vegas on Friday night. Luke, the opening bout, super middleweight. His name is Rowdy oh, I Legend. I saw this. Rowdy Legend Montgomery. <sighs> oh, my God. He shut this guy to hell, Luke. And Whoa. Dude, they have the, it was weird because they, they, the guy must have fallen right near one of the, the corner microphones. So you can hear him through his mouthpiece go... <sighs> It's actually a little bit disarming. It's um, this yeah, was it was bad. Yeah. Speaking of McGregor, you can see that's the guy who went down. Um, Lo the guy's lots of, name lots of is... McGregor's getting KO'd these days. Yeah, these days. the guy's name is Rowdy Legend Montgomery, who delivered that blow in the opening bout. Shout out, Luke. I am being told by many in the boxing game that we need to look out for 17-year-old lightweight Abdullah Mason, who made his pro Dude, debut on the undercard on Friday, getting a second-round TKO. I believe he's from Cleveland. Look, they're saying this guy's the real. Cleveland is the city where we come from. So run, 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 boom, over the top. I mean, he's not fighting the world's best here, but. No, yes, but uh, keep good. that name close to your heart there. Abdullah Mason, just 17 years old. And Luke, Sean Porter was on the top-ranked broadcast on Friday because, of course, he'll be fighting Terrence Crawford on an ESPN pay-per-view. And they 
They caught him napping. Let's hear this audio. <laughs> Oh, he had to wipe the he had to wipe the drool. <laughs> Bro, that's me when that, that BC. This is me when the lady comes through the plane with like the cart to give you, you like water or lying. you know soda or whatever. That's me waking up being like, yes, I'll have I'll have a glass of water. Uh, and my boy, I'm, I know I'm I'm doing my boy Sean Porter dirty here, but uh, he's working hard, so he's exhausted, Luke, ahead of this uh, to build to this. I be, believe November twentieth, him and Terrence Crawford, very good title fight in the welterweight division. Also, this main event, Luke, Michaela Mayer went in there against Maiva Mama Douche, and they put on a ten round war. This sequence I mean, you're watching here was basically every round. This was a hell of a fight. It was a wide decision win for Michaela Mayer, but Luke, um, I talked to actually two of the judges who scored that, and they, they said, look, it was a great fight, but one fighter was getting the better of the action, and I think Michaela Mayer made a leap here, Luke. She's not known as a brawler or a big puncher. She had to dig into the phone booth and win this shit. This was fun. She earned it, but her opponent had next to, I mean, what's the number lower than zero? Whatever that is, I, I get negative one and below, but I'm just saying. Zero head movement. Zero, oh yeah, nothing. she was there to brawl. There's no question. And uh, you know, I, I do regret. I, you know, I was like, hey, look, there's a top rank card on Friday. You're like, should we go to it? I was like, see, so at the Waterbury Open. And uh, you know, I kind of wish I was ringside for this now, Luke. You know? Yeah. Well, was, eat shit, guy. It was your call. All right. Last Tuesday, the Dana White Contender Series gave us the rare double low blow. You see this shit, Luke? <laughs> I did not. I missed this. Look at uh, the screen on the right shows the aftermath. The screen on the left shows the carnage happening in front of you. Yikes. Just when you think you've seen it all, testicle mangling really is, uh, and it's, and it's, in, it's in its infancy, BC, yeah. in the stages of MMA. Well, Luke, just when you think you've seen it all in MMA, there's a promotion called Fight Circus, which does some weird shit. They had their third pay-per-view this weekend, debuting Siamese kickboxing. Your thoughts? Are these the island boys? This is, this is, um, yeah, this is uh, something here, Luke. There was also a Polish promotion that did a intergender match. Did you see that? Got a lot of criticism I, for it. I did, yeah. They, uh, uh, other parts of the world, they just don't give a fuck about human life. No, no, no. You'll, you'll shoot your eye out. And speaking of that, Luke, Michael Bisping did something really gross on, the, on this uh, pre UFC preview show. He's done it before. You want to see a man take his oh, eye out, Is this out, his Luke? party trick where he takes his eyeball out? Oh, yikes. Like, I, 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 I'm an eyeball boy. <laughs> you know, I certainly respect everything about Bisping, the toughness, the ability to fight with one eye and not tell anybody, but I, my grandfather used to take his false teeth out, Luke, and scare us. It, it reminds me of that. You know, at some point I'd be like, Grandpa, like, this is going to ruin our relationship if you keep doing this to me, you know? That and, you know, other things he was doing to you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Wow, Luke. What do you have against Taking you to the park. Jesus, get your mind out of the gutter, you disgusting person. To the splash pad with, uh, with the Thomases. All right, That's Luke. Right. Jan Blachowicz may have lost the UFC light heavyweight title, but he's the star of an upcoming Polish action movie. Check out this trailer, Luke. I have to bring legendary Polish power to other parts of Poland. <laughs> Pitbull. See it. Theaters. Dude, I, I have to tell you, I've, I've been to Poland. Uh, maybe the nicest people in Europe. Maybe. 
yes. debatable, but they're up there. I did talk to a prominent member of the uh, Polish media this weekend, Luke, who said Jan told him for the loss to Glover, he just he just woke up and he knew he was going to lose. It was just one of those off days. He said if it was training camp, he would have not sparred that day. Like it was one of those days where he just woke mm. up and he just didn't have it. Well, didn't have it. Yeah, the dude, it happens. It, it happens. I believe that actually. Yep. Luke, we made a few jokes before about Justin Gaethje's leg striking ability. Oh, BC, you keeping this uh, conspiracy theory moving? You know, you're you're a big you're a big weirdo. Hey, I respect Brendan Fitzgerald a lot, Luke. I think he actually watches this show. What do you think about this tweet, Luke? Can we blow this up? Yeah, I like Fitzy, but uh, you both are on drugs. We talk a lot about how close Chandler was to winning the lightweight title. In my opinion, Gaethje was another leg kick or two from severely damaging Habib and winning it last year. Luke, the only word he didn't use was peril because that's how close Habib came to losing the title. Hey, Brendan Fitzgerald, sir. Okay. I do like Fitzy. He's a phenomenal commentator and a great addition to the MMA family. But he you gets both it. Are, you bo- you both have done uh, bong hits together. He sees through the bullshit. He gets it. Thank <laughs> you. All right, let's go over to the Canelo undercard, PBC in Vegas here. Anthony Durrell on the co-main event, Luke, against oh, Journeyman. this was. This was. I mean, what a fucking shot this was. Uh, Durrell, even the 37-year-old. Even had the opponent clapping on the mat. I mean, this uppercut was was just perfect. Just perfect. I had an MMA fan write me and be like, Justin's was better on Michael Chandler. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? They're not, it was not even nearly as good. Bop. Oh. Look how at about that the, shit. How about the dog doing the backflip at age 37? Luke, he said he and wants Canelo. The landing. He's probably not going to get Canelo, but I think there's still some big fights for him. Um, I'd like to see him against Caleb Plant, to be honest. He said, well, what he said was, Darrell says, Canelo or retirement. I'm like, well... You might want to get the retirement speech ready. All right. Hey, Luke, check out this person who won Halloween by dressing up as their favorite UFC fighter. Kay Hansen. I don't Who is the person on the who's the the person person on the the left left is the gentleman who dressed up as his favorite UFC fighter. It's uh, as Mike Goldberg would say, Luke, virtually identical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a big tattoo she has. Yes. Yeah, she, she just Statue launched Statue of her... Liberty with the American flag behind? I think she just launched an OnlyFans, Luke. I'm not into that stuff, so I don't know, but I, th- I think I read that on Twitter. Yeah, you're totally not into that at all. You definitely don't think that's fun. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya went out to see the fights on Saturday. He may no longer be representing Canelo Alvarez, but Luke, look at what he's representing. Can we zoom in here? Is that a dress, Luke? No, what? no wonder that man is so happy. Yeah, I'd be that. If, if, if that was your date, you'd have the exact same expression. Only your pants would be around your ankles. Uh, Luke, last night at like 11 o'clock, you and I saw Jarrett Swift Heard at the baggage pickup at the Washington uh, Reagan National Airport. But he's starting a little bit of a potential feud here with one Jermel Charlo. Let's watch this video to see how it started on social media. What's up, y'all out here? Houston, Texas, about to go to Kroger's. Anybody out here in Houston can help me look for the meat market that the Charlos go to. Let me know. And also, if you can help me out with the drugs they take because they done <laughs> lost their motherfucking mind. What'd he say? Her was a champion. He in my city. 
Herdy Houston trying to train. I gotta be like the Charlos. I gotta figure out what the fuck kind of steak they eat from H-E-B. Nigga, we got H-E-B and, and Kroger's. Nigga, ain't no Walmart. And Walmart meat ain't what we eat, nigga. Fuck wrong with you, nigga. We eat shit from the meat market. Apologies for the N-word, Luke, but what, what Swift had said was, could some, I'm going to Kroger's, could someone help me find the meat that the Charlos eat and maybe the drugs that they take too, uh, you know, in, in saying PED use. So, oh. <laughs> so Jermel just fired back. Luke, they saw each other at Canelo Plant, and we almost had a little bit of business here. Let's go to the videotape. Uh -oh. All right. Calf, you there? All right. That's Swift in the green hat, and that's oh, Jermel. Oh, he got right in his face. Jermel's in the red. Jermal is in the white hat. Can we blow this up and watch it again? So for folks who don't know, Jermal would be the bigger of the two, the one that would be in Herd's weight category. So Swift tried to slap Jermel, and Jermal got in the way, and we almost went to fisticuffs, Luke. This was interesting. What? Very. Dude, that, crowd was, that crowd was rowdy, bro. They were rowdy. So the same night, Jermall was asked by a reporter what he thought about Canelo's performance. Here's his response. Here's Jermall, Charlie. Look at that glare right there. Golly, dude, dude, the Charlos are always like. I, I here's the thing. I actually like both Charlo brothers. I, I think they're them. very good boxers. I loved covering that double header. I thought that was a great event um, for both both main events. I mean, I mean that sincerely. But dude, they're always acting like someone has done them wrong. Always, always chip, got a chip on their shoulder. Monster chips, and that's what I love about them because they're always intense, always ready. Always, um, dude. They're never. They're. It's always game seven. It's yeah. always game seven with them. I, by the way, I'd love to see Swift Heard, who's coming off a, a rough loss uh, against Jermel Charlo. Who that'd be? That'd be interesting. I don't know if Swift needs to win one first, but I'd love to see that two elites. Go I think at Swift it needs to get right after that terrible performance he had at the uh, Logan Mayweather. Uh, You're not wrong there. Not a good Luke. showing. Uh, one more piece of shit for you, Luke. Uh, you know, anytime the punch machine's involved, you know you're going to end up on this show. Uh -oh. oh, oh no! Don't stand next to the punch. Oh, 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 can we zoom in on that? That's a wow. Hey, who are these people that like to stand next? To, she look at her. Look at the hook. Bop. Oh, hooked it all a, the way back to the chesticle. Put a little tattoo on Titi right there, Luke. Look at that. Ouch. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think they call it the silicone smash, Luke. The silicone smash. All right, BC. Is that it for your shit? Yeah, that, that's it. I had a lot of shit this week. I hope you enjoyed uh, it. Right. Time for odds and ends. What do you got for odds and I, or I don't really have one, Luke. I kind of broke it all. I kind of got to it all already. So what do you got, Luke? All right. Uh, okay. So I will have mine. Let me pull up my notes here. Sorry about that. Uh, for my odds and ends. Uh, Cedric Dumbe. Do you know that name, BC? Do not know that name. Cedric Dumbe is uh, French, by the way, but he is one of the best kickboxers on earth. Uh, and he actually made his uh, MMA, not, I think, MMA debut, yes, uh, the 1st of November. So it was kind of earlier in the week and it got lost, but I want to make sure we brought it up. He fought some dude named Arby Amiev, who's like two and two or whatever at Super Combat Universe in Dubai, and he smoked him at 4 minutes and 40 seconds 
of the first round. A guy who you might ask, like, what has Dumbay done in glory? Um, a lot. He's got wins over Kareem Gaji, Myrtle Grunhart, um, the Nicky Holtzkin. Twice he has wins over him. Brad Riddell, who's in the UFC, he's got a win over Brad Riddell as well. Split decision one, but he got it um, just the same. He is an absolutely phenomenal talent. And um, he has finally, by the way, he's only 29 and he's making his way into MMA. The thing with Alex Pereira, BC, is he's, I mean, is he good? He's obviously fucking awesome, but he's 34. You know, so Chandler was 34, but Chandler was just changing organizations, not really sports. And I know that before this UFC debut, Alex Pereira had a, a handful of other fights and had done quite well for the most part. But in the case of Dumbe, he's starting f- sort of fresh, but he's 29. He's got some real time to get good. His takedown defense looked pretty good, by the way, all things considered. Like, I don't know how good he's going to be in MMABC, but when you get a, a kickboxer of the caliber of this guy heading over to MMA... Um, you take note. So keep keep in mind, Cedric Dumbe, tough, tough guy. I will be on the lookout for that name, just like 17-year-old Abdullah Mason. I hear he's coming, Luke, so we'll find out. Um, yeah, I don't have any odds or ends, but um, what a, we had a great time, Luke, you and I. Okay, Dude, we what, a, what a week. What a week it was for you. You were there for two different weekends. I was there just yes. for, the, for the half, for two-thirds there of the for week. for a, a special project. Um, Hopefully I'll get Dude, that was announce. a great weekend, man. That was a great week for us. I thought we did a lot... Uh, trying to serve a couple different masters, you know, the Canelo fight plus the UFC fight. I thought we did the best we could. And yeah, seems like we, the people we were, who got, we were it, got on the it. scene, crispy and clean for the big moments. I mean, Showtime trusted us, Luke, and we didn't, we didn't say the word. We didn't say that Q word that you often get in trouble for at all during any of those. No, so that's, we didn't. that's great. We did not. We, we managed to keep it for the most part, pretty clean. So, um, um, I just want to say thanks to everyone who watched for our new subscribers. We appreciate you joining us. We'll do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 a.m. in the East. Again, for all the fights that we didn't get to, Pereira, Edgar, Gary, the whole nine yards, MK Extra Credit will be up around 5 p.m. or so, and uh, we'll have all of that analysis there. So well, can you address, we're not done yet. Can you address this situation? There were, there were a lot of people who really enjoyed our, our fight companion, so to speak, Saturday night of, of watching the co-main event and main event of the UFC card in real time for us after the fact. The pro, you know, And they're going, well, we, we, this is what we always wanted. I get the other half didn't like it. The problem is we really can't ever do that in real time because I'm, or both of us are covering it for, you know, CBSSports.com or, or uh, CBS Sports And also, HQ. dude, like, I, I just wasn't making sound judgments. I need, like, a little bit of space and time to watch it and absorb it yes. and think about it. Then I just, need to take know, notes to remember, off. you know, what happened in the round, you know, before, yeah, you got it. Um, all right, so w- reminders. We got some merch. We got the Dia de los Muertos shirt. We, drug rugs are not out yet, but they will be soon. There's plenty of uh, stuff you can get morningcombat.store. Go check it out. Yeah. Go grab some merch. And by the way, gift cards, gift cards, gift cards is a thing you can start buying. So if you want to get it, if you're a woman who watches this, probably the handful of you, and you don't want to get something for your significant other, uh, get them a gift card. Get them a gift card. You can do that morningcombat.store. It is possible. Uh, let's see. Showtime. Showtime.com. Go to, get, go to Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. And um, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to email us for Wednesdays, fan subs, and Fridays, dead wrong. BC, what am I missing? Anything else? Uh, I want to shout out to the Contenders Clothing brand. They, they, uh, we got to go to their yes. pop-up store in Vegas this weekend. They, Luke, you may not be into the boxers so to speak, but they got, they got all, they got Rocky, they got Karate Kid, I got this nice hat here, they, we got some nice shit from them, big fan of their, their stuff as always, shout out to our boy Chris J over there, um, 
buy our merch, buy their merch. All right? That's it. That's it. Um, okay. So that's it, I think. Wait for extra credit. That will be out a little bit later today. And um, yeah, I'm waiting for extra sleep, star. Luke. That's what I'm waiting yeah, for. Yeah, you've earned it. You've earned it. You've earned it. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Help us scam the algorithm. And yeah, I do. I just want to say one more time. I want to thank everyone from Malka. I want to thank our producer, Mikey, from CBS. All the fans who watched and everybody else. It was a really strong week in Las Vegas. We did a lot of planning, a lot of execution. We needed a little bit of luck, and we got it too, and everything else just kind of played out. So very Manich, happy with what we were able to do. Manich was clutch this past week, okay? Gaff is here now. He's always clutch. Those vaping cameramen, very clutch. Um, love, love our team here, Luke, okay? Love our team. I kind of think we should do like a MK Survivor reality show where we, you know, every week we end up voting one staff member off and they lose their job and stuff, but like they get like a nice close up and we'll, you know, we'll, and like, you know, they have to try to compete for it and shit, you know? Yeah, I'm not really listening. Okay. Um, for Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. <laughs> I had to do that. I had to just. I had to just shit on you at the end. I'm so sorry. I'm right, so washed. Luke, I'm dude, so gross right now. Know, smell this. Luke, just try to smell this. I know what state you're in, you absolute fucking sow. Just smell right. this shit, Luke. It's so gross. Right. For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to everyone who made the last week possible, but the new week begins. We'll see you on Wednesday. I'll see you later on Extra Credit. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal.